Welcome to Board Game Box Office, Tablenauts podcast about board games, movies, and all the space in between. My name is Max, and today is a special day. I somehow managed to convince every one of these guys to not only watch Possession, but also to come on the show and chat about it. I'm not sure it was a good idea, but here we are. To thematically tie it all together, we're going to discuss the board games that possessed us, consuming a part of our lives for one reason or another. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing and the movies we've been watching. What have you been watching, Kyle? And I'm Doolin. <laughs> No, I'm doing. Sorry. Habit. Before I get into what I've been watching, we were a little delayed getting started, mainly because of Doolin, but that's okay. That's okay. I was fine with it. My favorite part is Doolin's like, can I take two more seconds? I got to go get some water. He comes back and he starts drinking bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Water. I see. (laughs) Swap There's water. water in it. All right. Should I talk about, about the movie I watched? It's a Max movie. Yeah. Max made yeah, me watch it, is. it. Talk about it. I didn't make you. That's true. Uh, I watched this on my own volition at the recommendation of Max, like a psychopath. Uh, I watched <laughs> Shiva Baby. The poor baby. Which is an eight, which is an 80 minute movie uh, that is about. I like that. It's yeah, it's very quick. <laughs> yeah, shout out to all the Max only likes long movies haters out there. I think that's the reason why I watch it because I was like, you know what? Yeah, I have eighty minutes to spare. But time. it's about it's like a a family thriller almost. Like it's anxiety inducing. Um, but it's not a horror movie. But the entire movie plays almost like a horror movie for the main character. Yeah. Uh, what's the is it? What's her name? Rachel? Is it Rachel Sinnott? Is Rachel Sinnott? Yes, who's in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Uh, Table Knot's favorite. Um. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right, Max? Everybody in the yeah, Discord loves it. it. Is. The whole, Everybody every, loves every it. Every host loves it. <laughs> what an we Oscar. all love bodies, bodies, bodies. But it's about Rachel Sinnott's character, who is going to Shiva, which is a Jewish funeral service. Um, and she is going with her parents. And it becomes just like every family gathering you've ever been to, where you're just bombarded by people you barely know. And they're asking you personal questions. And they're also small talking. And you just don't really want to be there. So it had all that stuff, which felt very real, right? But then, like, the, the plot is kind of, like, out there. Like, she is also kind of a lady of the night with a guy. She's and a her, sugar baby. Yeah, sugar. her sugar daddy is at the Shiva, which is already pretty uh, crazy. Like, what city does this take place in? I don't know. Is it New York, I would guess? Um, yeah, yeah small town that New York. You're always just running into your sugar daddies in places. Um, but Jewish communities are tight knit to be fair. That is a great point. You are very right in that. Um, Max, is, Max knows cause he, he likes to hang around them a lot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like he does. Max goes to a shiva every week of people he doesn't even know. Uh, <laughs> he just likes the experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all so fun. It's raucous. It's like watching a sad movie, but in real life. Her uh, her sugar daddy's there, and she finds out that her sugar daddy is married with a kid, and so that's not great. Uh, her ex-girlfriend is also there, uh, trying to flirt with her during this sad occasion. Um, and so it, the plot is, like, kind of out there. Like, I don't know how realistic all that stuff is, but it's a movie, right? You wanted to play up, play it up a little bit, but that, that stuff's not important. What's important is, like, really, like, how much you don't want to be at these things, and how annoying people are, and... Uh, what I really found cool about the movie was like it really put in like thriller and horror score during the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so like it really builds the tenseness and the anxiety of as all of this stuff is unfolding and she's trying to manage just getting out of the house. Um, 
Yeah. But Max, uh, do you have any other comments on that? Yeah, I think you're probably the only one who has seen it other than me. Yeah, well, everyone should watch it because it's great. But yeah, it's like the entire film, you're on pins and needles. Like you're walking on eggshells waiting for like the bomb to drop, right? Because like, like Kyle mentioned, her sugar daddy's there with his wife and child who she is also communicating with and like trying to avoid any confrontation. Um, there are situations that happen that I won't give into spoiler warnings wise, um, but uh, it, it plays out how you would kind of expect um, as far as sh- shit goes, shit hits the fan, basically. But it's delightful. Uh, it's like scary and tense the entire time, but you're also eager to await what happens. Uh, the acting is really great. It's it's a very it's very much a bottle episode, right? It's all literally set in a single house, like it's all in one house. But it's done incredibly well through the use of score, the use of acting. It's all just uh, genuinely super fun. Uh, I wasn't sure how much I would love it, but yeah, I mean, I walked away a huge fan of Shiva Baby and big fan of uh, Emma Selgman's. That's her directorial debut. And Rachel Sinnott, obviously, I liked her in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as well, but she's kind of like a rising star for me. Big fan of her as well. So you should watch it. Kenny, what you been playing lately? Um, so I, we usually talk about board games here because we like to have fun. Um, but I'm actually going to talk about a tabletop RPG called uh, Alice is Missing. Um, I brought this from Max for like four or five months. Thanks, Max. I don't know if you noticed You're it. You're welcome. Um, I but, did. <laughs> uh, so in Alice is Missing, you play as a group of teenagers in like in a sleepy town in like central California. Um, and your friend Alice has been missing for like three days. Um, and so the game kind of... Spoilers. Well, that's you know, the same thing of the game. Um, and so the game kind of guides you through in a 90-minute session... Uh, guides you through a story um, with no GM just basically through cards and like every 10 minutes or so you're going to basically get a story bit like hey this suspect um, is somehow related to Alice's missing or this location is somehow um, involved with Alice's disappearance so the game kind of regiments itself and so that like you you will you will you will find the story even without the GM um, but what, what makes Alice's missing really unique is that you it's the silent RPG. You do everything through text. So you could play over a Discord channel. You could uh, chat. You could text your friends over their phone. Because um, it's kind of mimicking modern day, where you may not always talk to your, your friends in person. Like, you're going to communicate largely through text, right? And so because of that, like, you basically are sitting around a table with your friends, um, just texting each other. And it's a very weird experience. I think I've, I've often heard people say, like, this is, like, a good, like, uh, RPG to get it people into RPGs. Um, I don't know about that really. Um, because <laughs> I find that the the it is difficult to role play in this way because if you're playing like a typical role playing game, you can say like, "Hey, I want to go to the lake and do this," and the GM can say, "Okay, well, you're gonna do that. Here's here's some story bits to fill in the stuff." Um, here, not only do you say if you want to say you want to go to the lake, you say, "I want to go to the lake," but I also have to say that in a way that makes sense with my character and in a way I can integrate into like this text chain that's going along that's like moving along like at it could be moving on like um, miles a minute right and so it is like a unique and weird experience um if so I and I'll say from our group like it it was fun but it wasn't didn't hit the highest I was expecting it to um just because it is like I think it's like honestly I think it's like it would be a good game for like people with like more uh, experienced RPGs. I think just more, more, sorry. yes, more. Uh, <laughs> I, I think 
I think having that baseline of like how to like role play and how to help drive a story will help. Um, so like, yeah. So and I think like the group I played with, you know, like we're all fairly new to RPGs, and it wasn't, it wasn't didn't feel natural. Um, like I was hoping it would, but I but I do think the game is really smart and with how they they dole out the story and just like all the little gameplay decisions they made. Um, that I would definitely play it again, um, even after kind of going through it the first time. And it's, it's really interesting, like, playing a game like this, like, it is really easy to roleplay as a teenager. I don't know, because we've all been teens, we kind of know the feelings there, so that was easy kind of to settle into. So I think, like... You've never been a dwarf before? Uh, no, not, not in this lifetime. Or, like, a, a goblin? Have you? Yeah. <laughs> you don't connect with those? Usually no. you're a troll. <laughs> good one Kyle. good one Kyle yeah I'm sad to hear that it didn't like uh, hit super hard for you but mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's still something that you'd be willing to try again it's a game I've had for years by this point and it's always been like really high on my want to play list but just never made it happen for one reason or another I don't quite know why that is it seems like it should be fairly easy to, to make happen but we've just avoided it for one reason or another uh, but I'm glad that I still own it. I'm glad that you want to play it again. Maybe we can play it as a group or something like that. But I, I would definitely like to play it. I'm still very much interested. Yeah, really this is a game that I've sure. wanted to play for a long time. The concept of it just seems really cool to me. Um, I do feel like it's a game that would be very difficult, everyone experiencing it for the first time together. Um, so I think now that uh, Kenny, you've played it and you know, like the beats and generally how it goes, even though the story changes as you play it, that it would be a great thing to be able to do again. I mean, cause like the th- I'll say though, like playing it the first time, it wasn't hard to run. Like even though I didn't run it, like teaching the rules and all, and doling out the information wasn't super hard. Um, it's just kind of like the role playing experience itself is hard. Um, I found gotcha. um, just because it's just such a different way to do it. Like you, you can't. You have to be much more creative in how you approach it than you would normally on you know, um, RPG. I'm not creative, so we'll see how that pans out. You can't out. even imagine it, really. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing. So in the game, like you kind of go through a process of setting up your characters and like their background and stuff. Um, I, I think the board game box office audience audience will appreciate this. But my, I, you, you, you're given a character. My character is called Charlie Barnes because if you run the game, you're that's the character you get, which kind of kind of create the background. And he's like the character that was been gone for months and it's just now returning to town. And my backstory I created was that I went off to an elite uh, private school uh, where I was studying film. And so my character in the game <laughs> was basically referencing all these movies um, and like being very pretentious about it. And everyone hated him at the end. So let them be I relate to that so hard. Yeah, he was channeling was you when he was acting as this character. <laughs> this, this game sounds like, right up my alley. It, it does. Like my my dream content um, is doing a fully produced like playthrough of this game, where afterwards we like read, we like dub our text messages and whatnot, and just have like a fully produced thing oh man i think that'd be incredibly that'd be it'd be a lot of work um but i just think the idea of that is so like cool sorry everybody no videos for the next month we're focused on making this one video yeah. fully produced That's not, hey i'm into it that sounds incredible well we'll definitely have to play it sometime jess said he'll do all the work so perfect yeah. perfect you'll get it'll be just years. like that one video 
yeah where's uh where's the last night on earth yeah it's almost been three years for last night on earth <laughs> let me cook ridiculous all right <laughs> Doolin, what you been playing or watching lately all right i wanted to talk about a game um that is a little bit of a shout out for our youtube channel in case that you are listening to this somehow and don't know that we do uh youtube as well um but yeah right uh but i just played today um three rounds in preparation for a video uh that i'm doing soon for a solo play of guild of merchant explorers um this is a game that i don't think anyone but jash has played unless you guys have put touched it at all um but i've touched it Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but this is by AEG, and it's um, when you hear that, you're, uh, what are your immediate thoughts, Kyle? Meh. Meh? <laughs> okay. Uh, I think well. AEG is uh, the epitome of fine. Oh, wow. I disagree. <laughs> but uh, this, this game uh, is light, uh, but it's also challenging at the same time. Like, I, I think a lot of... Um, at least the good AEG games, they are easy to teach, but they are not necessarily easy to master. And that's definitely the case of this game. Um, there is a lot of variety. Um, essentially, you're a cartographer, explorer, um, and you have this map in front of you, and you're going to be sending cubes onto these hex tiles based off of things that get drawn. And uh, one thing I love about this game is that exponentially, um, You'll just be discovering more and you'll be able to start from more locations as the eras reset the world. Um, I would say the feeling you get playing a game like Skyrim or Breath of the Wild where there's just this open space and you're like, I can go anywhere. Um, that, that kind of is what I get as I start this game. And then by the end of it, like as it gets closer to the end of the game, you're like, no, there's so much more I want to see. Um, and uh, I, I really like this game. I think it's probably best solo. No offense, Jash. I really like dark play, but uh, I really, really dig this game uh, solo. And if anybody is looking for a, almost a roll and write experience, um, but just a really, really solid one with uh, really good color, like color to the game. It's a really peaceful game to play. Um, I really like this game. I don't know if you guys have any interest in playing, but I would be willing to play it at more than just the two and the one that I've played it at too. But love this game. Well, since he said he hated playing with Josh, Josh, I don't know if I want to play it with you. So I'll play it with Josh though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody come play with me. I'll. I'll set it up and you guys can play without me, I guess, is what we'll do. We'll do. Like you can do a separate night. solo playthrough next to us while we're playing together. Oh, there you go. I'd actually, I actually could do that. <laughs> Despite my earlier comments, it, uh, it does interest me a little bit. Um, I actually also just played an AEG game. I played a Cubitos, and that's probably my favorite. Uh, Love wh- Cubitos. What's your favorite AEG game? War Chess, baby! Oh, I haven't played that one. I don't count the flat out trilogy really in there because that was more flat out than aeg but if it, if it counts then calico if it doesn't then it's cubitos i really love uh i really love smash up what about you guys oh my <laughs> god I was like, is that, real? that is such a troll <laughs> job be trolling? oh golly terrible it's, that's honestly the only aeg game i can think of offhand so war chest kenny that. war chest oh war chest time 
That's a much better Shady game. Tiny Time. towns. Do they Tiny do towns. space base? Santa Monica. Mariposas. Meets more chest. Calico, Cascadia, Verdant, if they can. Uh, yeah, what? no. Uh, Mariposas, that's like Ready, a, set, bet? That game kind of just came and went, much like the Monarch Butterfly. Yeah, Mariposas is fine. Good, yeah, good bit, I, though. Uh, <laughs> it's a fine game. There's, it's, we've played, exactly. it, I've played it twice, I think. It's an AEG it's fine. game. Yeah. It is fine. No, I, I definitely disagree <laughs> with the AEG is fine take. I don't think AEG has all bangers, but I think for the right people, they are some of the most incredible games. Tiny Town is really good. War Chest is really good. Oh, Cubitos is really Tiny good. Tiny Towns is also okay. Like, see, none I, of these things, like, keep me, like... They, none of them would possess me. But well, that's because they like... make medium weight games for the most part. When you think mm-hmm. about games that possess you, they're all heavier, aren't they? Not necessarily. Mm, what game are you talking about later, Kyle? <laughs> that's not okay. That's one example. I... <laughs> the one example you're using. Well, that's all. Let me say they all have more content than that. Mm. Is what I, I mean. I just taught like, you an AEG. I think game AEG games are great, but they they are they are singular experiences for the most part. Like you can't really dive into them a ton with the the lack of, in my opinion, something like War Chest, which does reward a lot of repeat oh, yeah. plays. I did like Dog Lover, but yeah, to Max's yeah. point, agreed. Like we've seen what Dog Lover is. Like it's yeah, it's it is, I think AEG are coffee table games. I agree for the vast majority. I agree. Ready, Thank you, is Kyle. There, Max. That was great. Yeah, ready, set, bet's good. Ready, set, bet's good. That is not a coffee table. That's rowdy. All right, Josh, <laughs> what you been playing or watching? I'm trying to decide if I want to do movie or game. Movie or game. You should have thought about that ahead of time. <laughs> so I finally, last week, got to go to Kenny's with Doolin, and we played ah. Rebellion, and it oh, was hell yeah. amazing. We Glorious. had... The most thematic game of rebellion that could ever happen. I sent Darth Vader to Mustafar. Darth Vader killed Obi Wan, and then Obi uh, Luke saw it and came, and then he went to Dagobah, and then he uh, became a Jedi Master from Yoda. And Doolin blew up my Death Star, and he had yeah, his base hidden on Yavin that I didn't find until literally the last turn, but I was still able to get people there at the last minute and beat him at literally the final hour, and it was just such an incredible game experience. Oh, sorry, Indoor, not Yavin. Indoor, yeah, yeah, there you go. I was like, I don't think I was on Yavin. Yeah. Max, or Jash still doesn't know where I am. (laughs) (laughs) I literally had him narrowed down to three planets at the end, and the one that I was sure he was at was not the one that he was at. True. I remember when I played it, I was like, Doolin's definitely here. And then for some reason, we never checked it. And it turns out <laughs> he was indeed where I thought he I, was a third of the way through the game. I love playing both roles. Uh, but yes, it, there's just something so fun about sitting across that table and be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The rebellion's the best side, I think. I don't know, being able to just build up a fleet of ships as the Empire and just take locations and just be strong was also a lot of fun. I think, like, so I'll say, like, I think, like, the thing about the Empire is that there's so much, like, ship management stuff that it becomes a pain. Um, Like, the production phase every round, just be like, okay, I have, like, 30 ships put down. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And that's fun at first, but as the game kind of wears on, you're like, oh, just, I don't care, just put Tatooine. Yeah, I, I agreed. And that is why you failed. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a Yoda quote. From Attack of the Clones? <laughs> Yoda from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> no, that the Yoda quote you're thinking of, Kyle, is begun uh, the Clone Wars. <laughs> so, Josh, question question for you. Is yes. this a game that you think would like broach your like top ten list after your first play? Maybe. Well, he's only uh, played like nine games. So. That that's true. So I mean by that's automatically true. it's it's at least it's number, number nine. Yeah. No, I do think the game was incredible and I would have to like look at what I would consider my top ten. But I mean I would say it's easily top twenty. It it gets so much better as you play and like under start to pick up on just like the nuances of like hiding and like exposing your base to hide again and just knowing the cards and knowing what the the empire is going to have knowing what the rebel the rebellions have it it just gets so much sweeter i agree the first play is like is good and i'm sure it was like great having like kenny and duel in there to like help teach you because like the first time i played it was just like me and a friend like just like learning as we went and we had like a rules video up on the screen i was like ah that was good but but now once we played like 10 times in like a six month span oh man it was (laughs) it gets so good gets so thinky yeah, I can definitely see how knowing the cards would be helpful, especially when I wasted my entire second turn, because at the end of the first turn, I um, captured one of Doolin's leaders, and in the second turn, most of my stuff was framed around me having his leader, and literally the first thing he did was rescue them. Shoot. With Han Solo. <laughs> With Han in Solo. The in Falcon. the Millennium Falcon. That was so fine. good. Yeah. That, so- that game was just so the I, I I'm kind of blown away, like, all the little the story notes we hit in that game is by far the most I've seen. Well, I decided early on, because I I think like uh, with, with the, the difference in knowing the game, I was like, I'm going to play this to have the most fun I could possibly have. (laughs) (laughs) And I chose cards that were revolved around just having these awesome movie moments. And it was so good. I loved it. Yeah. Doolin had all these fun thematic characters. He had Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, uh han solo leia lando and then the empire has like the two villains and then a bunch of white dudes because the empire (laughs) (laughs) not very interesting when you start to really think about all the characters in it you know you know it's funny it's like they're all british white dudes yeah very specific recruiting i wish i had cards that were like uh, like the rebellion should have cards like antagonize Vader, and he just like chokes out one of your characters, and you can't <laughs> use them anymore. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be cool. I like that. Alrighty, now I've been watching. Actually, just came back from the theaters literally an hour ago. I watched it tonight before this podcast. It's Emma Seligman Power Hour, baby. It is Bottoms, which bottoms, is bottoms, the same bottoms. director of Shiva Baby, also starring Rachel Sinnott, the star of Shiva Baby. So it's just a big appreciation day for those two. This is a high school comedy, uh, kind of a new age. A lot of people are saying that it's the successor, the spiritual successor to Superbad, uh, which I would 100% agree with. I don't want to necessarily give you that like false hope that you're going to love this movie the way that you love Superbad, because I'm not sure that you will. Ooh. But it very much feels in the same vein. It's a raunchy, uh, R-rated high school comedy that doesn't take itself too seriously it's over the top in many ways and unrealistic in many ways but at the same time it's still grounded and like in it 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 stays within itself for the for the majority of the part 
So it, it's something that it's just an enjoyable time to watch. It's hilarious. It's got good music. It's got good uh, like actual score in these emotional beats that it tries to hit. It is relevant, but also, like I said, over the top at the same time. Um, it's kind of like a, a bit. I don't want to. It's like slightly more artsy than uh, than like uh, super bad. But I mean, you know, it's also many years after super bad. And I do think that they did a really good job of keeping it like approachable to all audiences. It it makes fun of everybody, um, but it, it it crosses some lines. Like it's not afraid to, but it never felt mean at any point in time. Uh, it's just a really really fun, hilarious. We were you know the, it wasn't a crowded theater, but it was half full and everybody was laughing. Um, I just a uh, big fan of it. Big fan of it. I really wanted to see it because of how much I love Shiva Baby and because how much I love Rachel Sinnott. And this was just another hit for me. Emma Selgman can do no wrong. I'm excited for whatever she does next, and I very much recommend everyone check out Bottoms as much as I recommend everyone check out Shiva Baby. So I've been on a comedy kick recently, trying to watch several of them. Not not that the comedy kick is maybe a bit uh, overzealous of a term, but I've been watching several comedies lately, trying to see what's up. And I, I definitely think that that Bottoms is is high on my list of what I've watched recently, as far as the 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 better ones. It's got some real uh, standout performances. It's got Marshawn Lynch in there, who is just hilarious as can be, as always. Uh, Otto, Otto Edebiri, I believe is her name, is how you pronounce it. She is the star of uh, The Bear, um, but she's also in TMNT Mutant Mayhem. She's having a real summer this year of just being a star, and she crushes it here as well. So big fan of it. You should definitely check it out if you enjoy those kind of high school rated R comedies. Uh, I'll definitely be one that I want to see again in the future. I want to see this now. I recommend it. I also want to see it. A super bad is a pretty high bar. I uh, said, uh, let me clarify. I, said. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want you to go in there being like, well, Max said this is better than super bad. And then you're like, oh, I liked it, but it didn't reach my expectations. Don't do that to is yourself. That, is that Kyle? I know how much I voice? liked it better than super bad, but that's unsurprising. Wait, like that wasn't that wasn't Kyle talking just then. It was me. Oh, wow! I'm really good at that. Uh, like, don't don't go in with that expectation because when you go in with such a high monumental expectation, you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I'm not going but in I with sincerely believe I'm going in with that. Uh, there's just no way that I watch this movie and think that it's like super bad. I, I, I find, I'm just going to find that very hard to believe. What do you mean by think it's like super bad? Maybe like, it'll have super bad vibes, even if it's not right, as good as it super abso- bad. I, I would find it very difficult for you to say it doesn't have super bad vibes. Super bad's about high school. Yeah, it's about... It's, so I, super bad is about a group of friends, right? Bottoms is about a group of friends, specifically two people. That's a lot like of Like the, the two leads. I know, but like their goal... is a lot okay, like super bad. Little, little synopsis, just vibes. briefly. <laughs> It's two lesbian girls who are just horny and want to get laid. And (laughs) all right. Okay. All right. On to our featured topic, part one. Every once in a while, a game comes around and just consumes your life, your mind, your hobby time, whatever it may be. Kyle, start us off and tell us about the game that has possessed you. All right. So have you ever seen Superbad? (laughs) <laughs> this game is a lot like it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the feature topic yet. Like, leave Max alone. <laughs> I'm on Team Max for the feature topic. Oh, that's fair. You need to get your hating yeah, on Max out, out now. <laughs> <laughs> this, Jeff told me to make fun of Max. Okay? I'm doing it for him. Uh, okay? Do it for Jeff. 
Hashtag do it for him. <laughs> doing it for doing it for Jeff. Alright, man. <laughs> I need ba- Max back engaged before I start this. He's he is left. I'm listening. He Dude, he's married. The conversation. Alright. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. The game that has possessed me, I have mentioned in passing a few times, but I don't know how much I've ever really dove into it. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's a big boy. And that is Twilight Imperium 4. Some may call it the biggest boy, actually, because it is grandiose, and it is long, and there's a lot going on. That was um, before Castle Panic Deluxe came I out. I was just thinking that. Uh, now it's the second biggest boy. And box size, prob- it, for sure, and depth, I'm guessing Castle Panic probably doesn't hold a candle to. <laughs> Have you played Castle Panic? Yeah, how can you uh, say it's that? It's a lot Kyle? like Superbad. It's a door it game, so I know. Does the 4 in Twilight Imperium 4 stand for forever because that's how long the game takes? It does take forever. It does take a long time. You need to... I'm just It's kidding. okay, like though. Yeah, it's okay. It just still takes take forever. A, take a Saturday. It does take forever, and when you're done with it, you are exhausted. Love that in board games. When they make me feel exhausted. I, I mean, there's... I don't want every board game to make you feel like that, but TI4, I can no, make an exception for. I, I do like TI4. I'm just, I'm just hazing you. The reason I think it's possessed me, though, is because it's not even just, like, the day it takes up, but the lead up to it, like, my group is, like, all in. So, we start planning out uh, our game months in advance, as you need to do when you are six middle-aged people with kids. Um, You need to pick a Saturday where you can make it happen. And we don't just, like, pick out a day, though. We uh, start, we draft factions. We draft mm-hmm. uh, like slices where we start, like what our the planets around us are going to be. Kyle, um, what's your favorite faction? Uh, I like the L one Z one X. They're very aggressive. Is that the lions? No, that's the no. Hakan. Those they're, are the L I O N S. I got your joke, Dolan. I refused to buy to play into it. I'm no longer playing into these jokes. I didn't know. You told me L1 something X. I don't know this game well enough to know that. Just tell me the animal. I thought it was a freaking knowledge joke, you moron. Oh, I wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) The lions are my favorite in this game. They are very trade heavy. That's just not my style. I like to be, I like to play like space risk and just have a big fleet, almost like the empire and just like attack as much as possible. But then from there, so like we assign, we get our factions and we're still like six weeks out and I am listening to all the space cats, peace turtles I can get my hands on. I'm looking up first and second turn strategy guides. And I'm not ashamed to say that because the game is so complex and I won't remember it when the game starts anyway. Yeah. And then after the game, I, it could be like midnight and I'm, thinking about like what I did wrong because I've only won once out of like the eight times I've played. Uh, so I'm thinking about what I've done wrong, what I can do differently next time. What faction do I want to be? Do I want to be the same faction or do I want a new faction? And so when TI four time comes, like it consumes me for weeks and then it goes away. Cause I know I'm not going to be playing it for a while, but every time I play TI four, it's like a six week affair for me. So Jeez. that's why TI four possesses me. That makes sense. I think it's like those big games, like it's like something to look forward to. And there's the planning mm-hmm. and like the, the thinking about it is like half the fun. It yeah. really is. The the whole like the draft we do is uh was suggested by the Space Cats Peace Turtle podcast. It's called like the Milty Draft. And so like you can pick your sea order, your faction, or your slice, and you just do like a snake draft between all six people. And that was just like super fun. We did we just did it for the first time, our last play, and now we won't play without it. And that whole 
ordeal of like, oh, I like, I really like those planets, but will it go with this faction that I want to wait on? And uh, so yeah, you're you're right. The build up to it is one of the best parts. I I even remember doing that a little bit because uh, I think before we played, they were like, uh, Max said, hey, like we're gonna get it taught, but at the same time, maybe come in with a little bit of knowledge. And I started listening to the Space Cats Peace Turtles on their like intro to the game and like what factions are the easiest to learn. And I chose the turtles. And I remember like I think I I watched uh, something similar where it was like if you like your first your first turn as the turtles, you really need to do X, Y, Z. And I was like, thank goodness I looked up something because I would have <laughs> never chose to do anything like this. Um, but yeah, no, that game, it it feels like it could be the only game a group plays and like they would get a ton out of it. Well, the community is like huge. Like there are people that do play it constantly because they always have like online games going. Like there's a whole mm. big community that just plays on uh tabletop simulator. Please tell me that that's not like async because those games must <laughs> no, 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 years. it's not async. I'm sure some of them do play async though. I have to imagine. I'm sure people out there do sickies. But <laughs> I'd do it. Give it a shot. Our our group could have. To be one fair though, like that give it give it a give it a think. Like half of Twilight Imperium Four is downtime, right? And that's not a, that's not a shot against the game. That's, that's like fair. a lot of the game is people thinking about what they're doing because every single turn is so impactful. You make that async. It, I but, really don't think it'd be that bad of an experience. But one of the beauties of TI4 isn't necessarily in the mechanisms because it's like mechanisms totally you've pretty much yeah. all seen before. It's all the table talk and bartering. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mentioned, like the last game I played was like a, a good one. We seriously were stuck on the first turn for like 90 minutes. So round one took 90 minutes because two guys were just arguing about one hex. And I was like, finally, I was like, guys, this is turn one. The hex is not that important. You guys have to stop negotiating over this. But that is kind of the fun of it, right? Is like the table chatter. So uh, it's hard to get too mad about it. I would love yeah. this to be a game that we as a group or me personally like dove into. Like I would love to have this game possess me because I really do think that I would love it. I really like the first play, but it is one of those games that like I feel like the right way to play it is with players that are on a similar level. Like I think if Kenny, myself, Josh and Doolin and someone else all played it, then that would be and and you too, Kyle, if you were there. Yeah, I don't think I having like, one it's person someone else no, and leave Kyle well, out. The reason, <laughs> no, the reason I'm, I'm saying that specifically because Kyle's so knowledgeable about the game. Like I don't think having one person that's knowledgeable about the game would be a detriment, but I think like me joining you, Kyle, for a weekend at your house would be incredibly daunting and may possibly a bad experience if i'm just getting absolutely trounced for a 12 hour game and i'm just like i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing here i'm making it up as i go and you've got people that have that know know what to do i really think it's probably best played with people that are just not they don't know it either like you're on the same level i i worry that jumping in with the experience group would not be a great time but i could be wrong yeah, I would not want to join like the uh, Space Cast Peace Turtle tournaments. Like those guys, just like they are using like uh, all these like terms I've never heard before, and like it's you're you're right. Just it's almost like how I feel about like I like to play poker uh, every once in a while, and I played a lot of poker in high school. But going to a casino to play poker terrifies me, just because I feel like the people that go to a casino to play poker probably just know it so freaking well, and I would just make a fool of myself. That's fair. 
I did not know that about you. You played a lot of poker in high school. I did. I did. Well, that was like the, I know you might be too young, but there was a big poker boom uh, in the early 2000s on ESPN. Like the World Series of Poker was a huge deal. Um, And so everybody in my high school played. My dad watches poker all the time. I like poker too. I I used to play it a while It's having a bit of a a renaissance actually. It's, uh, It's pretty popular again. Kenny, what about you, my friend? I picked something a bit different. I picked Marvel United, and here's the thing. I don't know if I really... Marvel United is fine. It's a fine, fine, fun game. This seems like a great pick for the topic, Kenny. Yeah, Um, but it was middle of 2020. I got really, really into painting Marvel United. Like, it was the thing, like, I made it a goal of, like, I want to paint one of these minis every single single day. One a day. I want to knock, knock through this. And, like, I became, it became just, like, this is what I did. <laughs> uh, partly because I couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't go out. Um, but this is just how I spent my time, just, like, learning, growing as a, uh, as, as a mini painter. Um, and this is, I don't regret spending all that time with the game, um, even though I may, don't really necessarily love the game. Um, yeah. But it's it was, you know, I it was a time I, I remember fondly of, like, just, I could feel myself growing and getting better and better. And it just, I think that drive helped me just stay super motivated to keep going back to it every single day. Um, and so like, even today, like I, I, I have like, I'm probably like halfway through the X-Men set. I've definitely like slowed down. Um, but it's just kind of nice to know that I've always have this backlog of like stuff I can work through. Um, that, you know, that can kind of bring me that back to that point if I ever need that. Um, so yeah, so I guess pandemic and lots of free time will like get you to uh <laughs> get you to to commit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh your your paint jobs are incredible on the Marvel United stuff, yeah. I will say. Oh I gosh, used to so I good. love when Thanks. you send pictures of those. Um how many times do you think you've played Marvel United? Like have you played like some of the cool stuff like the Sinister Six? We played the Sinister Six. Yeah, yeah, we we played that once. Um, and honestly, I've I've probably played it maybe ten, eleven times. And you know, it's a super oh, short a game, so that's yeah, that's not a lot. Um, but I mean, like, I mean, there's just so much stuff for the game. Like, I've like, like in a, in an ideal world, I would paint a mini then play with it, right? But I definitely don't do that. It's just because I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's the thing I'm looking forward to when my daughter gets a bit older. We can actually play, sit down, play that game together. Uh, I think it's something like it's like, it's like a family way game. So I think like yeah for 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 us like once she hits that age I think it'll be really cool and really magical but uh, it's not something I'm really gonna bring out like on a Tuesday night with like you guys because because it's so light and how disappointed will you be if she grows up and she's like nah <laughs> I'm more of a DC girl <laughs> oh my kid will be kicked funny. out of the house. That was funny. No son of mine's a DC fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, 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 it'd be fine. But I'm not, I'm not like, like hanging my hat on like the game just because of that. Because like, even if like I'd never play the game again, I'd probably still paint the minis just because I think I find that process so enjoyable. Like I love the finished product of looking back on it, and I keep on like a little dis- display rack in my game room. And if you know, I need to pick me up a walk over, take a look at him, and go, huh? Look at that. Good job, Kenny. Good job, Pass Kenny. Yeah, the the minis do have that toy factor. So, like, even if you never played the game, you have those figurines, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm so looking forward to when you do this all over again. Uh, and I assume 
we'll have a pandemic too, so you can do uh, Zombicide <laughs> Marvel and paint Let's all go. those when they arrive. I I would actually love to paint all the Zombicide Marvel stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, so I loved like batch painting like zombies. Um, so I I, I honestly you look forward. Love to- that. I do, yeah. It's I, I actually do, uh, especially like stuff like contrast paints and stuff. It makes it so much faster. It does um, make it faster. Just, yeah, and like you have just like I think with zombies, especially, you can take on a, a air of just not caring as much. So and like if if you have like a group of like twenty, thirty zombies all grouped up together, they look amazing. It doesn't matter if like it's the best paint job in the world. Um, just just that it's the presence. Effect. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um. I think zombies are the like one mini painting thing, like where you don't have to try hard too much and it'll still look great. So, yeah, Marvel United's fine. <laughs> you know what? I agree. <laughs> but it's your fine. mini painting's great. His mini painting's Thanks. awesome. Are you guys surprised how popular Marvel United is? Like, no, just I'm because... surprised how popular Marvel anything is. Oh okay. my gosh. Okay, Max. Okay, wow. Marvel. You can't be that surprised <laughs> when when it when it's when it's against Max. Everybody's like, "Yeah, get him, get him." When Max makes a joke, it's a chorus of, "Oh my god!" Oh, oh. All Shut yeah. up! But How many episodes is this, Max? Point, you should be used to this. Well, Marvel United literally only has the hype it does because it's Marvel. Yeah. Could yeah, you imagine yeah. if it was anything else, like like DC? Kidding. <laughs> it wouldn't have like five characters. Yeah. Or happy yeah, I mean, tree friends united. Three of them are Batman. I'm just yeah, I think Marvel United has gotten by because of the minis and the art. You know, I think it's so pretty much solely that. But I do think like being, it being a light game has also uh, played into like its popularity. Just because like it's just like you, you see a game like that, and it's just it's hard to like resist. Wanting to try it out or checking yeah, it out. Yeah, you can at least, try you know? out the base game for super cheap. Like you can yeah. literally find it for under ten bucks. Yeah. All right, Doolin. Oh, my turn. Okay. Um, this one was an easy pick for me because never, besides this moment, have. I mean, to be fair, I've had this experience with video games, and I don't know, Max. I know you're heavy into video games. Josh, you've been heavy into video games. I have no idea if Kenny was heavy into the Atari. Uh, back in his day, uh, <laughs> I'll, have you, I'll have you know, Doolin. My my first job, I was like, uh, fresh in fresh in college, was as a video game reviewer. So, oh, that's I, amazing. I know my, that's I know amazing. my stuff. Yeah. So you, so you, you guys, uh, Kyle. I don't know if you've ever been into big into video games, really. Yeah, when I was a child. Okay. Uh, well, the feeling you get when that brand new video game comes out, right? Uh, and you play it, and you just lose track of time. Uh, you guys know what I'm experiencing here? Yeah. Okay, so, like, Skyrim was that for me. Um, I remember kind of going to school during that. I remember, I think there was one day that I faked being sick so I could stay home and play that game. Um, but specifically... And Emily didn't catch on? What'd you say? And Emily didn't catch on? Uh, th- I was not married at the time. I was going to high school. <laughs> yeah. This was uh, a Emily 2011. Was a Spanish teacher. <laughs> no. no. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but this was the very first time, uh, the game I'm about to, about to talk about was the very first time I ever felt this in, in board game form. Um, and it consumed so much time. And it actually was right around that like COVID experience, Kenny. So I think there's like a, there's maybe a tie in there where, we're alone and have nothing to do <laughs> it's really yeah. easy to have something possess you but this was tainted grail 
Um, and it's funny. I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, Kyle and Max, but like you two and Jeff especially joked like, is Doolin alive? <laughs> like, is, yeah. he, is he okay? And it was because I, any, any free time I had, I was at my house at the table playing that game. And, uh, you know, I make made fun of TI4 being long, but I I did eight hour sessions of Tainted Grail by myself. Like it was that fun and that engrossing with the story. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to experience everything. And I, I'll, I'll I've never even come close, really, with a story game uh, getting to that kind of it, like level of, of excitement for a game. And I'm actually really pumped because they sent us uh, the ruins of Avalon uh like whole game as well and so um i'm i've opened it i've seen the differences and uh i think soon i'm going to be experiencing something a little bit similar to what i did before but um i mean i completed man was it mm, 70 hours of that game in oh my god 10 days and in like two weeks i think i think uh it was something like that so uh no i that game engrossed me and uh i think easily i can say it possessed me for a little while i know you made a video on this but is it the narrative that really gripped you and drew you in or is it something else no um the open worldness of it too uh but Mm -hmm. the story is incredible um and the the choices it gives you uh, there's just so many like branching pathways and i think there's something insane in terms of the number of like endings that you can get to um but it's just it's one of those experiences like i'll i'll never forget like it, the story is that good so i highly recommend it if anybody is like wanting to get lost in something uh tainted grail is a great great choice it was uh the reason it was so unreal to me, Dolan, is that, like, you were doing this all solo, and I know you like solo games quite a bit, but taking eight hours by yourself to play it, mm. like, did you eat? Did you shower? I, I forgot to eat sometimes. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, like, that, that's legitimate. Um, but I think there was twice that week, two or three times that week, where I would just order pizza in so I could keep playing. Like, I wouldn't leave. Man. Uh, to, to and this isn't that. your favorite game of all time? No, no. All right. <laughs> There's some problems with the game for sure. Uh, like combat is nothing to like w- w- get excited about. And there is a lot of fiddliness that you almost have to house rule if you don't want to go insane. Um, but it's still incredible. It's a great game. Max, what is your game, man? Well, I was going to see if uh, Josh was coming back. Josh's right? internet's out. Does anybody want to pretend to be Josh? Hey, I like j- Japanese <laughs> games, and I'm going to put, talk about uh, a game called uh, uh, A Fake Artist Goes to New York because it's my own games, and they're from Japan. <laughs> Did you guys know I lived in Japan? <laughs> you gotta leave that in. <laughs> he won't know. He won't know. <laughs> he won't know. <laughs> I had to specifically tell him about the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles gluten allergy joke because I think he's like four episodes behind or something. Oh, man. 
right. So let's talk about what game possessed me. There were several I could have chosen. In fact, Kyle, you pointed out I could have chosen Lorcano or Marvel Snap, which I thought was interesting. But you didn't even... I To me, this was the obvious one. No, this was good. You're okay. right. You're I'm right. picking Blood on the Clock Tower, uh, which is a game that most of you have probably heard me gush about before, so we don't need to spend too awfully long on this. Uh, but this is a game that I was introduced to... Honestly, I don't know how. Like, I don't, I don't, rem- I don't recall my first time learning about Blood on the Clock Tower. Really? But it was shortly after I initially learned about it. I uh, watched the Shut Up and Sit Down video review of it, which obviously was uh, very exciting. They loved it, which it's one of the first times they've really done a full review on like a game that's not available. And I think it kind of bit them in the butt because it ended up becoming unavailable for years. Uh, I think maybe the first time I heard about it was like when it was on its way. And so like it was finally shipping and I was like, ooh, what's this? So I was fortunate enough to skip out on the three year long wait or however long it was that people had to had to deal with for Blood on the Clock Tower. But after finding out about it, I seeked I suck what is the word there? Sought out. Sought Sought out. out. Thank you. I sought out a copy of Blood on the Clock Tower, basically immediately found it from someone who had backed it and just, you know, against their uh, decided they weren't going to play it anymore after it had been so many years. Um, and then it was one of those things that I remember talking in the Discord with Kyle and Jeff and uh, Doolin about like whether I should get it. And consensus was no. <laughs> Kyle, was, <laughs> Kyle specifically told me like, do not get that game. <laughs> like, and you know, that was probably solid advice. Uh, but fortunately for me, it was advice that I ultimately ignored. Uh, I kind of knew it was going to be a difficult play, and I have had a, a run-in with social deduction games in the past, and they are games that I love but find them difficult to play, and stuff that Danielle in particular does not really enjoy. Blood on the Clock Tower, however, I purchased and was like immediately texting people and scheduling something almost to the level of like D&D, where I was like, we have to play. Like, I bought this game we are going to play this game like it's going to happen when are you available you will be there and we're gonna we're gonna make it happen and so i was very adamant that we were gonna get it played and i was very inspired to try and make it happen it fairly con- like con- fairly consistently as well it was uh everything i thought it would be and more uh it's a game that i started storytelling for the most part the vast majority of my plays have come from being a storyteller and it's a fun little uh, kind of person who gets to spin the wheels and do everything that makes the game happen. But it's unlike uh, D&D where you have to have like so much knowledge and creativity. Uh, the game does allow you to be creative and it does require you to know things, but it's a little bit more just surface level. It's a little bit easier to get into. And I just had a blast. I've always been someone who movies games the you would argue not with movies i suppose but like i like to introduce people to stuff that they enjoy and like i i like watching other people enjoy things like i really do and i feel like if i were more creative i could probably be a dungeon master because like to some extent i get enjoyment out of other people enjoying the things that we're we're consuming together whether I'm enjoying it or not, as long as you're having fun, it's a good likelihood that I am also having fun. So having that control as a storyteller was really great. 
Um, it kind of just sucked me into the game even more. Of course, there were some incredible videos or live plays of this game that just got me down a rabbit hole where I was constantly watching and listening to playthroughs of this game. And uh, then really the thing that took it from 10 to 11 was honestly Danielle's love for the game. Because mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that she hates social deduction games. She is not a fan of Resistance. She is not a fan of One Idols and Werewolf, whatever that may be. So I was really expecting this to be much of the same. But we played it online and in person. Um, and it, she just loved Blood on the Clock Tower. It's a game that we have had sessions of. And then immediately after we end the call on Discord or as we're driving home from Doolin's house from playing it, we just talk about it the whole time and spend a half hour, an hour discussing what could have happened and what did happen and the decisions we made and things like that. And just being able to like share that game with her and it being a game that I loved that much that she also connected to is what really took it from being, wow, I love this game to, yeah, this is my favorite game of all time. Um, It has been unfortunate that we haven't been able to play as much lately, but things have just been busier. Um, We did get a couple plays in a few weeks ago and I hope to kind of rekindle that and, at least have a semi-consistently game uh, game day. But yeah, Blood on the Clock Tower is definitely my favorite game of all time at this point. And it's a game that I sunk so many hours into learning, consuming, and playing. Uh, it definitely possessed nah. me, much like the demon in That's a Blood on the Clock Tower. Great answer for you, for sure. Thanks. I've, I've, loved, I've loved our uh, game days that we've hosted too. Like it... Emily's even like she's made charcuterie like we've gone all out for these blood on the clock tower days yeah it's so fun like you're dedicating a day to this and everyone gets to kind of get into it a little more because you know it's just not like a one-off and you're there with people at your house like rather than over the internet you're getting dinner you're sharing drinks you're having fun you're taking breaks in between games to talk about them it's just yeah those are my those are my favorite days I think just being able to play two, three games of Blood on the Clock Tower and having a blast. And I think Blood on the Clock Tower is a game is that kind of needs like you to be kind of obsessed over it to like really get into it. Um, just because there is so much, not only is there so many like rules you have to like know as like the storyteller, but you have to like galvanize like 10, 12 people to actually play mm-hmm. it. And like, it's not, it's not like a super light game where it's just like, hey, we're going to play Yahtzee for a couple hours. No, it's like, there's there's like a level of commitment. Um, I'd love yeah, to go to that game night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be a lot more difficult to get ten people to sign up for four hours you of got one. You to sign up for a game or two of Blood on the Clock Tower. I really think Blood on the Clock Tower is a pretty easy sell um, because most people have played Mafia, and not that it's the exact same, but most people have like a, a strong childhood fondness for a game like that. Uh, and really it is a complex game and there's a lot going on, but the game kind of meets you at your level. But I think other the than the storyteller, obsessed. Oh, the yeah, storyteller does have to know what's going on. They make on, or break the game. I agree, but they also don't have to, like, I'm not a genius. I don't know the rules up and down of Blood on the Clock Tower. It's not that in depth. It's one that you all could storytell yourselves with just an hour of time. It's really not that hard, but it is just a game that everyone can connect with and you can sit down as a player and get a five minute rules teach and be on your way. Like you're not going to know all the nuances and that's fine, but you can get the experience and then continue to, to learn more and be better over time. So I do agree. It's hard to get to the, to the table, even though you don't play on a table, but at the same time, it is fairly like approachable. 
my my favorite moment of this is uh the first game night we had or game day we had at my house and um i hadn't played with max since gen con and he wasn't the storyteller then so this was the first time storytelling with max and um he goes into our guest bedroom to set up and then he comes out in this robe and he just <laughs> goes on this whole speech that he had prepared and it was just like it was so cool uh you you were like uh it was almost like uh uh we got a little taste of larping <laughs> like in the yeah. moment where we're like playing these characters and going to different rooms and yeah yeah i know for sure i was really sad that we weren't able to get a play of this in at gen con um because i've just had the one play the one game day that we did um when kyle came down and we've i've only been able to experience the like basic rules and i really want to experience the more that this game has to offer the different scenarios and the more complicated we might roles. have to do that before you leave i think luckily the game is plays really well online so like it does there's a chance that we can still make this happen um even if before you leave so yeah it does play really well online i think to 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 call back to something you were mentioning Dulin, about with me wearing the robe and having my speech and how uh, storytellers can make or break it. I do find that some people uh, play or storytell Blood on the Clock Tower very mechanically, and that's completely fine, um, where they don't want to flourish it at all, and they just play the game and are the rules lawyer, and that's cool. But for me personally, I get a lot of enjoyment, and I'm not a creative person. I really struggle. I would love to be a more creative person in all facets of my life, but I'm just not. And I try and do more with Blood on the Clock Tower. I like to make, I like to make them into events, kind of like that. I like to get the uh, the feeling, the mood set. Like I would love to have the music playing and the lighting turned down and candles and like I just really enjoy making it special. Um, and may- maybe I'm making it special because I don't feel like I can make the game special as the story master. I want to make the the atmosphere special, but. I do really like to lean into the theatrics of it um, and tell a scary, spooky story to lead up to it and introduce every death with these gruesome, gross things that, I, that I've that i stolen from other people because I can't create them myself because I'm not creative. And I, I just think that that's so much of the fun for me. I know a lot of people probably don't care about that. It probably adds very little to their experience. But for me, leaning into that is a big part of why I enjoy it, I think. And that's the game that uh, certainly possessed me for quite some time. And it still kind of is. We just haven't had the, the opportunity to play it lately. All right, Josh, what about you? Okay, so this is a game that uh, I have talked about several times on the podcast. So I don't feel like it's necessary to dwell on it for too long. But I would say that there is no other option for me since returning than Marvel Champions. This was one of the first games I knew I wanted to buy when I got back. And knowing the short-ish amount of time I was going to be in the States versus the lack of accessibility once I get back to Japan, I was like, I have to get as much as I can before I go back. So I have uh, acquired all of the um, box expansions, except for the one that just released in the past month. I have a slew of characters and um, some of the special villain packs. And I love Marvel and I love the gameplay of this game. It's very easy to jump in and 
Um, instead of having to necessarily deck build myself, there's plenty of options to see decks that other people have already made that are smarter than me and better at putting decks together. And I just follow what they did. And it's just a whole lot of fun. And it's something that I can play solo. So if I get back to Japan and don't have a gaming group that this is a game I know that I'll be able to play. Um, so I feel like there's nothing else that I could say is my possession that has possessed me um, the way that this game has. I think uh, I think everybody that gets into Marvel Champions gets a little bit possessed by it at the start. Um, just because everybody's so excited about the theme and their heroes and the gameplay is actually very good, but still easy to get into. But like we even saw it recently, more recent than you, like um, Logan and Logan Discord. from our Discord. Yeah, he he got into it and like within like three days of having the game, he's like talking about these like decks, and I'm like, what? Whoa, hold on! <laughs> You're <laughs> like, already how do you got, in deeper than you, I am. Yeah, how do you know these cards already? <laughs> like you, can, he's like naming cards. Like, what do you guys think about this card? I'm like, I don't couldn't tell you what that card does, and I probably played with it <laughs> six hundred times. I think he already so, has other people I, he's playing with too, and I'm like, dang, good yeah. on you. Yeah, so it's just I saw it with you. Uh, I kind of experienced it myself a little. I saw it with Logan. Um, so I just don't know if that's just like a, an LCG thing, probably, um, or if it's. I know I think he's like, really into Arkham, so. Yeah, I think like these like LCG or just TCG games, like there's just so much to it. Like, look, it's not not beyond just there's so much to it, but there's there's a lot of creativity that you as a player can put into the game. And I think anytime you have that in a game that can just like amp up, like the ability for people to kind of like obsess over it just because I don't know, there's just, there's always the possibility of like, you can do anything right. Or you can do something new and unique. Um, and I think that's always been a big draw for like stuff like Arkham uh, for me or our Marvel champions. And I'm not, I'm not into deck building a lot, but like, same there I, there's definitely like a joy like you can get just out of like crafting like a something that's unique to you and or maybe even like powerful or strong you know mm-hmm. right like um and even if it's not necessarily the deck building but just the scenario crafting as well like recently i got the hood and it's the one where you're supposed to put like seven different modules in it so i just grabbed every single spider-man related module i could and put it in there <laughs> And then, boom, you get to fight, like, all the Spider-Man villains. And it was a lot of fun. All right. Are we ready to move into our featured movie topic? Are you ready? No. <laughs> it's time to discuss our featured movie, Possession. Possession is a no. 1981 psychological horror film directed by Andre Zulowski. Anna, played by Isabella Johnny, and Mark, played by Sam Neill are a couple on the brink of divorce. What follows is nothing short of a grueling descent into madness. I saw best described by Jay Hoberman as a veritable aria of hysteria. You may not like it. In fact, you might just hate it, but certainly you'll never forget it. I think it's best if we start with some spoiler-free discussion, as difficult as that may be, and then we'll try and make it clear when we're about to transition into spoiler talk so you can pause and go watch if you haven't already before returning to hear the rest of the discussion. So with five people, uh, this is going to be quite difficult. And without descending into absolute chaos, much like the movie, who wants to begin? Do it. I just not me. I want us before we get into anything. I just want to know from everybody. Did you like it? Yes or no? Yes. (laughs) 
yes for me. No. That's going to be a no for me, dog. So it's two to two. <laughs> no. Uh, Let's go! Three two. What are you doing? Max, at least it's not four to one, buddy. At least it's not four to one. I expected it to be, so here we are now. All right, well, the spoiler's out of the way there, Doolin. Open us up with discussion, if you oh, want. Oh, man. Okay. Um, what did you spoiler think? Spoiler free? Spoiler free. Spoiler free. What All did right. you think about Do you possession? want my, uh, my I, I, I wrote this piece. <coughs> oh, goody. All right. What do we judge a movie on? Whether the director did what they intended, whether the acting was spot on, whether it caused an emotion, or whether it taught us something, I think all those things are a part of it. But at its core, the real question for me is, was I entertained? And the simple answer to that is absolutely not. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I, think, I think I was more annoyed uh, than anything. I did not like the characters. I did not like the dialogue. Um, I did not like the lingering shots with the flailing arms and the uh, legs. It was, and I, I think that all of it was probably done exactly as the director intended. Um, and congrats to him. He made a movie that some people will like, and I did not. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about my uh, spoiler free talk for sure. Fair enough. Um, I'll join the hate train here. Uh, <laughs> But I'll say, I actually don't hate, hate, hate the movie. Yeah, same. So I initially gave, like, a one-and-a-half star review, because I had a really strong, like, visceral reaction, like, uh, the first time I saw it. But the movie has caused me to have a lot more reflection about it, and I've thought about it more than I thought I would. Um, and I think that's be just because the movie has a lot of layers. There's a lot of themes in the movie that, that do work. Um, I don't like the movie, like, stylistically. Uh, I don't like a lot of the creative choices or directing choices. But I do appreciate that there's just like multiple layers of interpretation and the conversation is created has been just a lot of fun, right? Oh, for um, sure. It's like, it's like this movie I deeply dislike, <laughs> but it's, I think it's also a fascinating movie um, just because it was just so like ambitious, maybe to a fault. And it, like, and like you mentioned, like it, it creates like moments like I won't forget for better or worse, right? So like <laughs> this movie I dislike, but I can't appreciate so that's kind of like where I land on it overall. So I'll take that take. Josh, keep the hate train going. I want to know Doolin's star rating first. Me? Yeah. I I currently have it sitting at a two, two out of five. Because I it when I when I looked at my like scale, right, it's either great, good, or bad. Um, I did not want to give it good, but I gave it the highest bad it could possibly get. <laughs> See, so out of all of us, I actually have it rated the highest because I have it two and a half because it's a better movie than They Live, and I have They Live at a two, so it had to be. <laughs> two I actually out of disagree five. with that. You, you just interesting. Well, they Live, They Live is better. See, that's where I, I kind of wanted to go into my thoughts a little bit here because I think they share some similarities. They're both terribly that, paced. That they are weirdly acted although i think one is on purpose and one is just roddy piper not being an actor right um i think they have uh pretty good themes um and they tell them in kind of an abstract way but not that subtle really um and i think i i, I just think they have some similarities but i really hated they live and i was not entertained by it one iota i thought it was actively bad 
where like I was just like freaking enthralled by possession. Like I was so into it. And so like when Dolan says, was I entertained? No, I'm like, I, I couldn't look away. I I think it's like the hysteria probably like, just like glued me. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I was just like constantly like, I think I what felt that hell? way. I definitely felt that way through. And I can't, I, we can't, we can't get into spoilers just yet. Uh, but there were parts of this film that I actually really liked. Um, I, I even have written down here. I think that there is, and, and a movie is never the short, but I think there's a really good 50 minute horror film in here that I would have, I would love, but the rest of it, I just didn't care about. If yeah. that makes sense. So, See, and I think the best parts are not the horror part. So, like, with me in this movie, um, I feel like it's, like, it, it was well-directed, and, like, the acting was good. And so, like, those are the things I'm like, okay, this is, like, uh, this is, there's good stuff in it. I just, it just didn't hit with me. I personally did not like it. Um, But I was okay with it for a little bit, and then... I felt like the movie was getting ready to end and I would I like I was like, okay, we've been I've same been here moment. for a while. Probably. I sent the same text that you did <laughs> at the exact same moment. I was like, there's another hour of his of this? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really felt like it was about to end and I was like I was ready for the conclusion and I was excited. And then I looked down and realized I was only an hour into this two hour movie and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When we get into spoiler talk, I'd like to know when you, when exactly it was yeah, that you no, felt we that will, way. Yeah, no, we will. We will for sure. Because, yeah. um, I mean, I didn't feel that way, and that's Max, fine. But Max, I don't want you to feel attacked at all by this, because I respect, I respect people that like this film. Um, yeah. I think that there is clearly a cult following of this film. Um, explain, like, give your take uh, without spoilers. What What do you like about this? Yeah, I don't have a lot like written down here for spoiler free. I have quite a bit of stuff that I want to dive into when we specifically talk spoilers. But um, and and to clarify, I obviously disagree mm-hmm. with your opinions that it is bad. Um, well, specifically, I'll say that I disagree if you have opinions that it's bad. But most of you seem to say that you definitely don't think it was bad. It just wasn't for you, and I can't really fault you for that like it was for me and i am i wish it was for you and i'm kind of surprised it's not because i do think it's incredibly captivating um but at the same time it doesn't really shock me that it doesn't work uh the few notes that i have written down which i've talked about this before and i think maybe kenny might be the most opposite opinion here but i i do find that both the leads in particular though isabella johnny are just incredible like probably one of the most her performance in this film is probably one of the most single-handedly like out there and full force portrayal that i've ever seen like i feel like she gives it her absolute everything imagine being told to do what she did and right doing and doing right Mm -hmm. and they both her and sam neil have talked about their time with possession and we can get into that more in spoilers but they said that you know it it, they barely escaped (laughs) with their sanity um after directing this and it's not a movie they would ever do again like they're they're proud of their work and they're happy that they did it but they're like that's that's a young man's movie like i couldn't (laughs) i couldn't do that now I also say have that uh I I really think that it's just one of the most unsettling and like grueling 
and stomach churning movies that I've ever seen. And I've seen some gross movies, but I think a lot of it comes from the body horror on display, but in particular, the just absolute descent into madness, um, the, the outward expression of the internal struggle. Like, I feel like they're internally that you are seeing what they are feeling like in real life. When someone is grieving, they wouldn't necessarily lash out the way that these characters lash out. But that is what's portrayed on the screen. And I thought it was incredible. That's really all I have to say before we get into spoiler warnings. But it's also like a lot of ooze and goo in this movie. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I've seen from beyond. This is nothing as far as ooze and goo. This is absolutely nothing. The one point I wanted to make is something I texted you guys when we were uh, talking about this a little bit. And it's that like, I like this movie. And if somebody doesn't like it, it's going to be hard for me to like act surprised or mad that they didn't like it. I think it would, I would have a hard time even suggesting this to anybody to watch it. Like out of all the people I know, I think Max would have been, if I, let's say I saw it first, I think Max would have been the only person I would have suggested it to. I think he is the only, like one of the only people I know that would appreciate possession to that level. And I know you guys appreciate it, but like actively like it. And uh, yeah, so that's why I, I guess like, I guess I got to, uh, I'm kind of surprised by Max saying like, oh, I thought you guys would have, I thought you would have enjoyed it. And I just like, it's hard for me to watch it and think anybody would enjoy it. It's an incredibly challenging movie to watch, Agreed. right? Because like the, it get, like it just right away just throws you into it. No explanation. And it's like, I think one of my problems with the movie is that it just, it just is like, it's a movie without restraint, right? And so even in the, going into the movie knowing that it's going to be a wild ride, I was just still taken back by just how wild of a ride it was. Um, and I think that's, I, I think it's like the, I think some people are going to say that, that unbridled ambition or just that lack of restraint is a positive, but for me, it just didn't work, so... Yeah, and I want to clarify, too, I'm not surprised that you don't like it. In fact, I'm shocked that Kyle's even on my side. So thank you, Kyle. I fully expected this to be a movie that everyone else hated. I also expected it. I also (laughs) expected to hate it, which is why I'm so surprised that I liked it. Because usually when I go into something hating it, I'm just going to like, yeah, I'll probably hate it. Yeah, so it's not that, like, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that there's one more person on my side than I expected there to be. But it's more that, like... And again, you all, you all have clarified this. I find this to be a movie that I think if someone told me that they thought it was bad, I would be shocked. Like, because I think there's so many good things that this movie does. But if you're to tell me that you don't like it, I get it. I don't agree, but like, I get it. Like, that doesn't surprise me at all. It, it is not for everyone. In fact, it's for few people, for, probably. But I do think it is very well made, and I would be—I would like to hear uh, what someone has to say and argue with them about if they thought it was like objectively terrible. But so, I'll say—I don't think it's objectively terrible or anything. But I think like the movie—I I think like there is a stance with the, movie, with the movie about what they were trying to accomplish, right? And I think it tries so hard to list like these feelings of like. Um, like feelings of uncomfortableness being making it unnerving that begins to push me like out of the movie experience. Like, especially when you think about like the, a lot of the directing decisions in the movie, like this might be spoiler talk, but like there's comes a scene in the movie, like where they're physically fighting and you just see there, there's a scene like where you see, get a close in of like their eyes and it slows down and you're just like, 
what is what is going on? Because it's such an odd choice to do for a movie that, like, as a viewer, like, I find myself constantly, like, asking the question of, like, why did they do that, right? I was no longer in the movie experience, but I was in the director's chair going, why did you choose to do this, this, this very weird and offbeat thing? Um, and at that point, like, as it just continues to spiral and spiral into just weird and weird things, like, and just weird and directing choices, weird acting choices that I, I constantly had to wrestle with that idea of like, this movie that's like so bold that you're forced to like have to make these questions of like rationalization to understand, to even understand the movie, right? I think that's like a big fault of it for me. I, I don't know if it's me just not like clicking with it, but like there were times where the acting, like the overacting, which was a choice, um, made me just actually laugh rather than like enjoy it <laughs> like the way it was in, like intended. Um, it didn't give me uneasiness as much as it just made me be like, like uh, this is light. This isn't really a spoiler, but there's a scene where like there's a character who's really, really, really upset and they're in a rocking chair like this. Oh, just yeah. going back and forth. And I was I was hysterically laughing. And I was like, this is the silliest thing I've ever seen somebody do. Um, and it, it it took me out of it. Um, but I get I this is just not the movie for me, I don't think. And uh, I don't think anybody would be shocked to see this film and be like, oh, yeah, Doolin doesn't really <laughs> like that film. Like, uh, of course. I'm a Paddington 2 man. In regards to the acting, so I kind of went into this knowing the overacting was going to happen because we had a pseudo discussion about it privately. Uh, and then we took it to the Discord also about overacting and director's choices. And is overacting ever a good thing? And before seeing the movie, I was kind of against the idea of overacting ever being a choice or ever being good. Um, and so I went into the movie knowing the, there was going to be overacting and just assuming it was going to be stupid. Okay. And then the overacting happened. And at first I was like, Sam Neill, especially, I was like, why the hell is he talking like this? Like it was, it was literally Shakespearean. Like he was acting like he was on stage doing Shakespeare. And at first it really bothered me. And then really as the movie went bothered on, bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> good, good pull. Good pull. Uh, uh, after like 30 minutes in though it made so much sense to me for the movie and I was like I see now Max's point the overacting was a choice and it makes so much sense for the movie and what they're wanting to convey and so I at first I was like I, I was out of it and I was like mad at it but as the movie went along it was actually the opposite effect for you Dolan where it was just like yeah go crazy or more overact the, the more overacting the better yeah, I definitely don't uh, prescribe to the opinion that the overacting was, like, bad in any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the the rocking chair scene, I think, in particular, is one that I love. Like, it really sticks out to me as, like, something that is great. But I do want to point out, specifically to you mentioning that certain things made you laugh, in that I don't necessarily feel like that's, like, a, a wrong feeling to have. I do think that there are segments of this movie and things that happen in this movie that are funny. And I kind of attribute that, again, we get into our auteur theory and we get into talking about, you know, director's intentions and whatnot. But, like, I genuinely feel that the fact that this movie is kind of 
genre ambiguous is intentional. Like, it is horror, but not really horror. It is psychological thriller. It is drama. It is a lot of things. And comedy can be one of those things. Like, there are certain moments that I, I certainly thought were, were funny. And I think that it, I think it's a strength that it is like kind of all over the place that you can't nail it down. And I think it adds to the effect of being kind of confused in, in a good way. And like, it's all kind of absurd and it's mad and all that. I, to me, it worked. I mean, I'm not, obviously it didn't work for you and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't have to feel that way. I'm just kind of trying to defend it to an extent. No, that's allowed. And, and I'm, I never want you to feel like I'm attacking the movie that you love, but uh, yeah, for me, it, it, it didn't, I, I, I think that I can see where like I I'm missing out on what other people are feeling because it, it it didn't give me the feelings that other people are getting from it if that makes sense well I'll say like I feel like this is a movie like I don't know how anyone can like like walk out of that movie going oh what what a killer movie I loved it like it's a movie that takes time to like settle and just kind of stew in you to actually like think about like what are the themes like what are the what are the choices they made and like, what is the point of this movie? Even like, it it takes like reflection to actually get to that point. And like, I feel like I like I kind of just thinking about it. And like, it gives you more time to appreciate it, but you can also just still not like the movie. That's kind of like right. Yeah, you probably also don't ever want to watch it again, though, right? Like, it's yeah, it may have I, risen I up for you like even a half star because like you're starting to appreciate it more. But like the idea of even watching it again for me, as somebody who liked it, like I I probably won't. I'm stoked to watch it again. <laughs> I'd maybe watch like the second hour. Because... I'm very excited about watching it. I'll well, probably he, buy he, the 4K the of this thing. one. I was I'd, like, I'll watch one scene and I'll know, I'll tell you my favorite scene. Uh, when we I was get into I was pretty talk. checked out by the second hour, but I wonder if I would appreciate it more if I didn't have to watch the first hour to get there. Not saying the first you probably hour would have appreciated it more if you weren't on your phone. You know, I wasn't <laughs> during the first hour, but then I got on my phone to appreciate it. <laughs> all right let's move on to our spoiler talk i think we've done enough spoiler free discussion so if you're still listening and you have not seen possession and you do not want to be spoiled please tune out now go watch the movie come back we'll be happy to have you again we'll still be here but uh we're gonna we're gonna do spoiler talk now again this isn't really structured i don't quite know the best way to I was gonna say do we jump go into the movie or no I, I think the idea is to is to be chronological, um, but there's zero chance we remain chronological. <laughs> yeah. So just try and do our best as a collective to make it coherent. Um, but you know, Uh-oh. stuff's gonna happen, and I have a jumbled up mess of notes, anyways. So even me, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be uh, perfectly chronological or perfectly coherent here. But l- let's begin. Uh, I I can say the first thing if you don't mind. Go for it. I don't know that anyone paid... I mean, I I assume. I don't know. One of the things that I thought that really added to it, we talked about... We we talked privately about how, like, the the restaurant was empty and how this city feels very, like, not lived in, which I think think is intentional. Um, Oh, for sure. And it's also... The biggest thing for me is that this film is set in West Berlin, like, and it shows the Berlin Wall on multiple occasions, which just 
is why it's I mean, it's it's thematically appropriate for a movie about division and being divided and cut off from one another. Um, so like the scene, the, the movie starts with the the opening scene, which is Mark and Anna like Mark came back from his trip, uh, which, by the way, Mark is like a spy. Like yeah, weird. he doesn't even really like talk about yeah. that much, but he I think says it's so something interesting. About the war, I don't like, but the I don't know. Pink yeah, socks. he's a he's a spy, and his subject has pink socks, which comes back at the end of the movie. But you don't. It doesn't make it never. It never it makes any sense. Wait, no, which sense. I think is fine. He's a spy, and he hired the worst PI the world yeah, has dude. ever seen. Yeah, dude, this that guy was life. awful. It's true. He was, he was, um, he was, he was sprinting after her. Like oh, I'm not following <laughs> you. Yeah, that that was that was pretty uh pretty bad private investigator. Uh I do think that like the opening scene is pretty telling into where we're going to go because it is them greeting one another and then Anna Anna is it Anna or Anna? I can't even it's Anna, right? It's Elsa. I don't know. Okay. She like leaves him <laughs> abruptly. And then it's left seeing him both metaphorically and, and literally picking up like his baggage, like she's left him and he's grabbing all this baggage and following her, which I thought was appropriate and interesting. But uh, yeah, that's all I have for the first scene. So you, know, you got anything? Go ahead. I, I do want to mention about like you mentioned the Berlin Wall and like the yeah. West or West Berlin and all of that stuff. And um, after the movie, uh, I... I picked up like the whole thing about like divorce and like i was really vibing with that and it wasn't until after when i was like reading more about the movie when they're like yeah there was some uh geopolitical commentary i was like there was <laughs> i was like i completely missed that that was way over my well, head I, I think that it was that, also about the division of germany yeah i think that that's something that gets lost on us a little bit because we're removed from it from time and also location that there's things in the movie that aren't necessarily for us like americans in 2000 and whatever compared to the audience that it was made for you know that the year is 2023 right yeah but you know <laughs> maybe you it takes a long time for this episode to come out <laughs> maybe i'm this editing, isn't last You're editing it. <laughs> yeah. this isn't la- <laughs> <laughs> this is this is kind of like maybe gonna talk about now because it's kind of over the whole movie but like I, I did a little reading about the movie and i think one interesting thing is about the movie is that the direct the director made this movie as a response to like himself going through a big divorce yeah. and separation. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that, that frames the movie in a very like weird way. Because one of the things in the movie is that it's a very like very much from the perspective of Sam Neill, right? Yep. The, the male in the movie. For the most who part, is yeah. Being being so wronged in the movie. Yep. Um uh and and she basically the the Anna in the movie is vilified throughout the whole thing becomes a, a literal monster. Um, and the viewing in that way, it's kind of gross, right? Like it, it, in terms of like the, it's hard to separate, like knowing the author, the director writing it um, and, and knowing that that personal detail is just like, feels a little icky, right? Right. That the, the, the real life and uh, fictional divide is, I don't know. Right. I agree with you, Kenny. I agree with I, for the I, most part. I think the I think Sam Neill is definitely the protagonist, uh, at least for a majority of the film. Now there are times where I think it kind of goes back and forth of like the because uh, I think the overacting is deemed of like how 
they look in each other's eyes in terms of like, oh my gosh, they're being out, they're out of control, they're they're crazy. Um, this person's just trying to, and then like, but Sam Neill's made to look like somebody who's like trying to keep them together, right. and it's all Anna's fault of why they're getting a divorce. She cheated. She's being unreasonable. She is psychotic. She's like cutting herself, and it's like I, I think Kenny's right in that like he did put it into like. The woman was in the wrong here. She even like straight up says like I'm the bad guy or something like that. I forget the exact line, but she's like, "Yeah, but that's not like." But it was it was not. She wasn't saying that like because she actually believed it. Well, she was also made to look like a horrendous mother. Yeah, but he was made to look like a bad father and husband too at times. I think I I, think the real victim here is the child. Well, yeah, and I think that's an overarching theme of the whole movie. But I mean, I agree with you for the most part, Kenny. But I do think that. There are multiple segments where we are not necessarily in the perspective of Sam Neill's character, and he is seen in in a terrible light. Um, And even though you can say that he's like trying to keep them together, he's not doing it well at all. When do you when do you think it's actually not in his perspective then? When he well, this is moving later into the movie, but I mean, he like physically assaults the crap out of her at one point in time. Which I think is is not from like his perspective necessarily. But I think, he, but she also physically assaulted him. Not that, not to the that extent though. And they both cut themselves. They both harming each other. He like literally. So I agree for the most part, but half of the movie, literally, this movie might not even exist if Sam Neill's character just gave her an ounce of an ounce of space. But he was like. <laughs> on her on her and overbearing and like what do you need i'll give you anything to fix this we can fix this and she clearly just wants a moment to breathe like i don't i agree to an extent but i really don't think this paints either character in a positive light maybe hers is maybe she's more vilified but like it doesn't it doesn't paint him in a good light either i think it's more like the point is just like the 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 control like the writer has over this movie from a real life situation is just odd and just I, oh, feel I agree. Just, yeah, it's just really, really off putting in that regard. I, I don't think I don't Sam Neill's character is a perfect character. Like, I don't think he's meant to be like looks like no. this. But I also think some of this like is unintentional. Like, I think he looks bad unintentionally, where the woman looks bad intentionally. Like, I think writing it, you could be perceived as like, oh, this is just a guy trying to save his marriage. Yeah, I I, I mean, can't really I can't really get on board with that entirely. I come away disliking both of them, so that's coming. Oh, they're from both me. awful. They're both awful. But yeah. I do think it's more. To- but I uh, back to my earlier point though. I do think so- a lot of this is just like perspective of both of their own heads. Like we go back and forth. Like what are they perceiving from each other? And I agree with Kenny a little bit that most of it is told from Sam Neill's perspective. But I do think there are parts that are from Anna's perspective. I don't think it's 100% either Like or. the parts where Sam isn't there. Sam yeah, also, Mark also kills a guy. I mean, there's, there's that too. Well, that <laughs> makes me, I, I, I want to ask this now, and I know this is kind of out of order, but We're not, do impossible. you think this movie is uh, 100% grounded in reality? No. Now, no. no. So I do don't you think, think Mark it's grounded in the reality of mm. the movie itself? Or is like, well, that's the question. I don't Did, think anything actually. Ha- I don't think any of this actually truly happened. I wouldn't go so far. 
I won't go that far. I think that the main thing in this film that is up for debate as far as whether it truly happened or not centers predominantly around the monster and the clones, for lack of a better term. I think the monster can be seen as several different things, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, really. Um, I do think that the vast majority of the movie did happen in the movie's world, right? Um, But, like, the monster can be a number of different things. I think you can see the monster as a physical manifestation of their abuse. I mean, it's something that when other people look at it, they are appalled and disgusted. But yet, both Mark and Anna are attracted to this monster Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. They live in their abuse, but to an outsider's perspective, it is awful and an abomination. I think you could also... There there are religious things happening here. You could say that it is God or it is the Antichrist. Like, I feel like there's a... I mean, they all... Every time they see it, they said... uh, What is the... There's like two instances where one guy says... um, I can't remember what it was. But they, they repeat religious phrases as they see the beast for the first time. And so I think there's a lot of things that can be up for discussion and i don't think that it's concretely answered i don't expect any of us to walk what do you away with think about like this that. what do you think about this what do you think if it's like the idea of like holy matrimony and they're just like clinging to it despite their marriage being terrible so it's like because like marriage especially like back in the back in that day it was like a, a holy religious like thing and well, I guess it's not that far away, but like, so even then, like in the eighties, late seventies, early eighties, it's like, back in Kyle's day. Yeah, that's nuts. (laughs) But (laughs) it's like, because they do ask like, do you, like the, do you believe in God and all of that stuff? And like, I guess I didn't really pick up, pick up on it being like the antichrist. Like I'm more aligned with what your first thought was of like their abuse and like how ugly things are together. But I think there's probably some type of combination of the two. I, there's a, there's a version of me that likes this film, maybe, uh, if I, but even then, I don't, I don't think that it would, it would convince me, uh, but I, there's a part in this film that everything kind of turns, and after it, there's, like, a lot of, like, sci-fi stuff that actually happens, and I wonder if there's, like, I've not done any research on this at all, I wonder if there are people who believe this, that, uh after their fight and when they're publicly on the street like yelling at each other and all of that stuff there's a moment where um she is willing to throw herself in front of a vehicle and he's following her and the vehicle twists and misses and then after that like she hard cuts smiles and walks away and he turns and plays soccer with kids and it's like wait what just happened and then it hard cuts to like a bunch of sci-fi stuff after that what if both of them died <laughs> or or get hospitalized? And this is all going on in his brain. I don't know. Like from that point on. Uh, that is like, when the movie I, really starts to get weird. It's like right there is the turn. And uh, it's and a it's, very it's, jarring cut from her and creepy music happening to little little kids laughing. Like it's very jarring. But anyway, there's my theory. That's a possible take for sure. I don't I mean, I, I really don't think there's like a 
hard and fast answer to any of this. No. Which is part of why I, I love it so much. I haven't been able to find anything. Yeah, I, I, I was like looking to see, like, was there anything I missed? So I was like trying to do some research, like, see, what did I miss? I'm the and like, I, you guys. That not stuff not being answer. available makes you love it. That makes me hate it. Like, when I Google something and it's from a movie that's 40 years old and people are like, oh, we still don't know. I'm like, I hate that. Tell me what's going I, yeah, on. I usually, I do, usually I do. I feel very different. I like when movies can give me stuff to think about. I do enjoy that, too. And I, okay, so like I think, like, just kind of riffing off Dylan real quick, I do think, so maybe it's not, like, the literal literal death of the both of them, but maybe that is the, the death of their relationship, right? Oh, that's yeah. when things start to just, like, take that weird turn. And I think that's when things maybe start to go, the blend between, like, reality versus, you know, madness really starts to set in. Um, so I, maybe that's that's an interesting way to view the movie. Can I can I say something on top of all of that, though? There's a part of me that, as we discuss all of this, and I think it's also just, like, you guys are way more of actual movie critics than I am, uh, that feels like Anya Taylor-Joy's character in the menu, where I'm like, I just want a cheeseburger. Can, can we get a can we get a film that, like, like, that entertains me? Um, yeah, I, I mean, me. I feel it too, because I think that's the thing about this movie. It's, it's a genre movie, right? It is billed as, like, this horror movie, but it is not really a horror movie. It's really not, it is, no. Yeah, it, and, and I think it's like, you go into this type of movie expecting, okay, it's going to be going to be this one thing but it sub subverts your expectations so so harshly um and i think that's i think that's i don't know if that plays into its favor at all you know what i mean Dolan, i'm usually 100 percent with you in that like just entertain me and this movie did entertain me so i guess that might be the difference but i'm usually a lot like you i don't know necessarily like why this one sat with me so much like why is it so thought-provoking to me because like i am much more of a meat and potatoes guy when it comes to movies most of the time like, I'm not looking for deeper meaning. I'm not looking to be... I, I don't like endings that are amb ambiguous. Like, I don't want... I want to know what happened. Same thing with, like, when I when we talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey and there was, like, so many theories of what all this stuff means. I'm like, no. I don't need to sit here for three hours and then also ponder it for the next 30 years. Like, I just tell me the freaking story. I, I didn't they do. get it. Uh, uh. This isn't a 2001 podcast. See, see, we we earlier, did that one already. Max, you said but, that you like movies that make you think, and I also like movies that make me think, but I want that thinking to eventually be able to lead somewhere because then it's just thinking for thinking's sake. No, but see, I, th I don't, I don't, do you just feel like this movie has like no cohesive elements at all? Like, I think that there is a cohesive movie there that is wrapped up, but that it allows you to think and expand uh, and 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 put the puzzle together where it wasn't clearly shown i don't necessarily want a movie to leave it ambiguous and open-ended where it's clear that the director had no idea what they were doing so they just left it that way because they couldn't figure out a way to tie it up but if a movie is able to make something cohesive while also allowing my mind to wander i love that like i love being able to to think of things that aren't concretely stated i don't need a million lines of exposition telling me exactly. Like, I love Interstellar, but Interstellar explains every goddamn thing to you. And I would also love it probably if it didn't explain everything to me. Max, I want to I, I wanna say that you know what that sounds like? That sounds like a creative person. No. And you said I am, you're not creative. I, and I, I am. Speak that into I would you. not Dude, be a creative I also person disagree. Ever. I also disagree that Max is... You don't think that Max is creative? Wow. No, 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 no. I'm disagreeing with Max. <laughs> okay. 
What the hell are you talking about? Let me finish my thought before you- I'm doing something! I was like, Max wow, is- are we really turning this no. whole thing into, let's make fun of Max for not being creative? Wow, That God. was an hour and 35 said, minutes ago. I still said 10% of my original thought, which was that I think Max is very creative, and I don't know where he gets this idea from. And I think his movie critiques and ideologies towards most movies speaks to that. And the fact that he does D&D and, and runs Blood on the Clock Tower. He's I don't need an imagination crazy. for any of that. I'm not, I, yeah. I wish I were a more creative person. Um, it, to tie it back into it a bit, I think that one of the things that is really passed over, like, I think a lot of things in this movie are very much quickly said and then just forgotten. Um, but there in particular is a part towards the beginning of the movie um, where Mark lets slip that he wasn't, he may have been unfaithful to her while he was on his trip. He says not really. Beginning, yeah. I know. And so again, that's another segment where I don't think it's like particularly portraying him in a good light where he's like already admitting to that he wasn't, he wasn't really unfaithful, but <laughs> there was obviously yeah. stuff there. Um, and then when Mark finds out about her unfaithfulness, he literally could not care less. Like he is not sad because they are falling apart. He is sad because he no longer owns her. Like the words he specifically says are, do you sleep with him? Do you like it more than with me? Like he doesn't, that's not like, yeah, that line was weird. he's such a possessive person to her. That's why they call it that. Yeah. Good job. Say it with me. <laughs> Possession. Whereas she wants like freedom and pleasure. He wants order and possession. And I feel like that they're obviously very much contrasting with one another. But I, I think that that really kind of shows that they're both not, you know, perfect people that we've already kind of talked about. But the fact that they fought over both of them not wanting to see their son anymore made me immediately hate them. <laughs> like, yeah, because he they was like, parents. and I don't want to ever see him again. And she goes, oh, what? <laughs> like, like, that was her, like her, her like shocking moment. And let, let's talk about Bob. Number what one, about Bob? Why, why is this kid? Why is this kid called Bob? So named him Bob. <laughs> it's such a bad name. Um, Maybe it wasn't then, though. But for an eight-year-old, yes, it was. Goodbye, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Bobby. Bob wasn't. Yeah, okay. Um, Bob was an interesting character in the movie. I think like they did a lot of interesting. Like, I mean. There's a lot of just like little symbolism things they did around with him yeah. to help tell a story. Like I, the the stuff with the bathtub, um, you know, early on in the movies, like he just diving in, and they bring that back later into the movie to to implicate child suicide, which is just that he would rather die than see this pattern of like abuse and hate like repeat itself with his parents. And yeah. on one hand. I, Okay, on one hand, I hate it, right? Because I think, like, the the topic of child suicide is very gross. And yeah. the way they handled it, it was a very, like, edgelord kind of way. Like, hey, hey, look at this sick shit. I, I hated that scene so freaking much. Yes. It was very tough point, right? It does, serve, it does serve a point in the story, but it is... I, I, I feel... Part of me thinks it's, like, gross and kind of irresponsible. Um, but But I don't know. But... Yeah, I, I do. Know, I Bob. do get the point, but I'm with Kenny there a little bit. It's 
it sucks that you they had to do that to make that point. I think, I think there are other ways. I think something can be the point and also be bad. <laughs> bad. Yeah. 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 Fair. I don't know. That- I don't know. Like the way it was so abrupt and so like I feel bad saying it, but like I almost chuckled a little because it was just so fast. It just happened. He just ran upstairs and dove in the bathtub, and I was like, "Wait, really? That's how this movie's going to end?" I feel like without that, though, you miss so much. Like I feel like that is such a huge part of the movie. Is Bob's yeah. arc in general, but specifically his final scene where he's yelling at helen to don't open don't open don't open and she says but i want to and it's just you get the two clones that are basically just representing anna and mark back at it again and that's obviously he can't he doesn't want to be there anymore like was she a clone or did she just happen to look like her i i think it was a projection by mark yeah but i mean i think mark projected anna onto helen well, I think that's part of like what I was talking about, where it's not like yeah, in, totally. In I completely like, agree I with think that. Those, I think the two doppelgangers are just them thinking of the other person. Yeah, but I think like I think I I just don't know how you end that movie without Bob's scene. Like I think it's such an impactful scene, and it is gross and it's very disturbing. But like I don't know how you put a bow on it without that kind of. I think you impactful could just have him run upstairs and like. Like, it's the same thing you said with Interstellar, where you said, like, it just tells us everything. Like, you can we can assume that Bob is going to have either the worst life or he's going to end his life because. Right. But I think the point is that he he is choosing the out rather than go through it again. If you see him run upstairs, then it's did. Maybe he just ran away. I mean, I feel like it is needed to know that that was his decision that he came to. Now, I also think you can say that he's he's not dead i mean they talked about it earlier in the movie about how he could breathe underwater for a long time you know if if it bothers you so much maybe that he was just going to his happy place to to go underwater and stop well it's all debatable but i i feel like you need that why not i mean why isn't it i do think it was like a central part of like the the whole divorce is like that is like the the hardest on the kids, and like that was like very in your face of like yeah. this is what divorce does to the kids. He gets covered in peanut butter and jelly. That scene is apparently real life, but obviously who knows? But he said the director said that that actually happened to he, him and his son. Um, but you know that's coming from the director's mouth. Oh, so it's he not, came it's in and his kid was just but, like left alone and covered in gunk. Yeah, covered in yes. jelly. Oh, I thought you meant the. The suicide part. Me too. I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Why? Why? Why?" Can we? Can we get to my favorite scene? Is it the tentacle scene? No, (laughs) not at all. Uh, But this goes into like uh, deeper into the film, which we—I mean, we just discussed the ending. Uh, But but about midway through, I think it's like 15 minutes in. There's a scene that is my favorite for sure, and I wish. And this is coming from my like personal taste. Uh, I wish the movie would have made a switch to a sci-fi esque film, like more heavy sci-fi, because like it subverted my expectations for the like the film up to that point. Because I had no idea it was going to have an alien in it, and it was when the PI like he he gets on the phone with Neil's character, and he's like, "I want you to go in. Uh, I want I want you to confront her," and uh, he goes in. He's like checking the windows and she's very adamant, like, don't look. 
And so, like, as this is happening, what are you thinking you're going to see? Like, you're going to see the other guy, right? Like, you're going to meet the other dude. Um, You do. And you do. But it turns out it's actually an alien that I and I looked this up and I thought it was really cool. Like that alien was actually, I thought, pretty well done in that part. And it's it was made by the same dude who made E.T., which is like and the alien. Yeah. Like so all of that, like that happened in Max. I kid you not. There was a moment where I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this (laughs) because I thought it was going to turn. Right. I thought it was going to turn and be like this, like almost alien type film. But then what the my least favorite part of the film was when it just went back to Neil crying and flailing his arms around him. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> you guys. Uh, uh. But anyway, that is go easily back, my favorite back, back. film. Uh, favorite part of the film. I thought it was so well done. Um, And I, I, I thought it was one of those. And even like. He sees it. He's shocked, like typical horror fashion. He turns and she ends him. Like I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is turning into something that I think I can get behind." I would have been so mad if they did that because then <laughs> it's like they then it's like they live all over again. Where uh, well, I like we, they live. That's the thing. I'm on Team Max where they live. So uh, I know, but that's like that speaks to exactly what we both want out of movies. Like, I'm so glad it didn't do that, and that's what you wanted. That's what you wanted. See, it was, but like, it was around then. I think maybe it was around the second PI that I looked at my phone and I was like, "Oh, there's still an hour left into this movie." Well, that's my thought too, Josh. Is I I sent him a text and I was like, "How?" Because I thought that was getting towards the climax, right? Like, we discovered the alien. Yeah, we saw her kill someone. Like the. The jig is up. We know what's going on, and then realize really that's like no, we got another hour of madness to go through. What's wrong with having a climax in the in the middle? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, insert joke here. Anyway. Nice one. Good knock, one. Knock knock. <laughs> <laughs> Say what kind of joke? One thing we didn't mention about Bob, which I had written down. Is that I do think that it probably means something, whether I can tell you what it means or not. Um, is that they always had Bob imitating the sirens too, like he was always imitating oh. the sirens outside. Like I thought that was very interesting. That was my only thought on Bob was, um, I think he it, can we can we say that he is the motivation behind uh, every single Despicable Me minion going be y'all be. <laughs> They all watched Possession. <laughs> Not quite sure we can, but maybe. Maybe. I think we can. <laughs> Be the change you want to see in the world. Can we draw similarities to Gru and Neil's character? He, Gru wants to possess the moon. <laughs> can we talk about my favorite character in the movie? And that is Heinrich. Heinrich? Oh my god, the worst! He is the worst, but also kind of the best, right? No, not no. at all. <laughs> in no way. I, so f- so we talk about overacting in the movie, and this is this is the moment. His his character was just so wild and off the wall. Like I just I could not fathom it. Right? He was, it was speaking just so, gibberish some of the time. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, I text Kyle. I was like, "How in the world am I supposed to understand what he's saying here?" And you go, "You're not." And I was like, "Oh, good." <laughs> <laughs> so like, Heinrich is such an interesting character because like he talks this big game about like letting letting Anna be free and all that stuff but then 
later on in the movie, you learn, oh, no, he's a piece of shit, too. Yeah. And he's All guys equally are. as possessive of her as uh, Sam Neill's character. But uh, I don't know. There's there, that whole arc. That character was just so, so bizarre in general. How I, bizarre? How bizarre? I think his is great. Not as a good, like, he's not good, but he's an interesting he's character. Good. Can yeah. I say something? I think Kenny likes this movie. So he, so here's the thing. I like talking about the movie. I do not like watching the movie. Like, I almost think this would be like, a, a, because I think there's like so many like layers to it that are really interesting. I think it'd be almost better like as a, as like a book or something. Well, as someone who can't imagine things, I can tell you that would not work nearly as well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, and no, I'll, I go ahead, go ahead. Like I, the editing, the the directing, the stylistic choices, I just don't like. Right. Yeah, but, and I was about to say the clear opposite. I just feel like that. It. I loved them. I mean, I love the camera just spinning like out of control. I love the zooms. Like there's one zoom in particular on, uh, on her eyes is just like she has these incredible eyes that just like. I don't know, take you places. And there's just so much camera work in my, in my opinion that added so much to the movie. But I think like, it's, I think I mentioned earlier, but it's just like, they do so much. It's like so unbridled with all this, these choices that it just kind of takes, took me out of the experience. Like it, it became like a thing of like, I have to think about like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Because like those, those choices inform like, like the plot of the movie in a lot of the ways the the idea of the movie. And I don't, that, that I found hard to gel with in, in this movie, at least. So I'd like to talk about two more scenes in particular that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, before, I'm going to say them both and we'll pick which one to start with because otherwise I might forget. Um, obviously I think we need to discuss the subway scene for a moment. Yeah, We oh, haven't gosh. talked about it yet and that's crazy. But I'd also just like to talk about the ending, um, not not pre Bob ending, where they are running up the stairs with both uh, with the Mark clone and Mark and Anna, and I'd like to talk about that part too. But whichever one you want to start with, if we're going chronologically, we can start with the subway scene, um, Let's do that. which starts ultimately in the church, where she is looking up at the uh, crucifix. And you get a a pan or a camera swap back and forth, like a cut from her face to the crucifix, from her face to the crucifix. And I think it tells like I I love that scene even before you get to the subway, as I just feel like you can read so much from her face and like it's just so expressive. And then you get to the subway scene, which is just the most unhinged three minute display of acting that I've ever seen. Like this scene alone. Uh, really cemented Isabella Johnny is just like that. That was incredible, in my opinion. Like mm. it was gross, yeah, definitely it was gross and it was disturbing. But that was, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall, nuts, like just incredible display, in my opinion. I, I was just gonna say to like piggyback on that a little bit. Like that's where I was just like, I I texted you guys. I was like, I think this acting's pretty good. It's like exactly what I said because we were like they had all this talk about the acting being bad, and I was like, nope, nope, this is great because she went on it for a very long time, and to act like that for that many minutes and probably multiple takes 
Apparently I only two. How- I read there was just two, two- takes oh, of it, it two? because they, they thought Stop. she did great in the first one, but they were like, we got to cover our butts a little bit, so we have to at least do one more take, just in yeah. case something goes wrong in the editing room or something. But yeah, as far but, as I'm aware, two but- takes. Okay, well, that's that's pretty impressive to get it done, too. Um, but then you think about, like, the the symbology of it and, like, how people must feel when they go through a miscarriage and, like, how that's probably how they feel internally. Like, they probably want to do what she's doing. And they have to you keep it bottled up. Yeah. I mean, nobody really does that. Um, but she showed how people feel. Totally. I think. And it was so disgusting. Like, uh, this is where I thought I was. I thought I was going to puke. Like, legitimately, my stomach turned. I did, and like, I felt nauseous. <laughs> well, you were sick. That's a little different. <laughs> a little different. I was not it sick. It helped. I was a healthy it helped boy. For sure. But it was just so freaking gross and so powerful. Man, that scene alone. Yeah. Makes that 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 scene alone gives this movie like a star and a half. Yeah. That that was like. Like, I think, like, the moment, like, there's a lot of overacting in the movie, and I think, like, it allows for, like, moments of brilliance, too. Like, I think that that is absolutely one of them. And I think, like, I come down hard on Harder and Sam Neill in the movie just because, like, I compare, like, that scene to, like, his moment to just, like, unbridled and just unhinged, you know, madness. And it just, his felt silly. It felt off, right? But hers, like, I just, I believed it, right? It's like, I bought into whatever. I bought into it all. And I thought that was like for such like a challenge, like how challenging that must be as an uh, actor to portray. Like, I thought like she, she did nail it. So I, I watched that scene and I, there was some laughing. Uh, I thought, yeah, she did exactly what the director wanted. And I thought poor her. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I think that was the point in the movie where I was like, this is not for me. If that makes sense. That's wild to me. I just want a cheeseburger, man. All right. And then at the end, this is a less, this is a more subjective scene, perhaps. And I, I don't have the answers. I just really want to see if anyone else has any thoughts on it. But you get the scene, you finally get the pink sock guy back, um, which I really don't think means anything. Uh, but I mean, to me, it doesn't, at least. Maybe it does, but to me, it, it doesn't mean anything. It has to mean something. It's there um, twice. Well, who's to say? But uh, Mark is running up the stairs. They shoot at Mark. Uh, Anna's running behind with Mark the doppelganger running behind her. And then it. Now I'm now I'm struggling to remember. Is it's not Helen? No, it's not Helen. No, it's just some random girl at the top of the yeah. stairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not Helen. But ultimately, uh, Mark is shot and is dying. Um, Anna decides to then kill herself and be with Mark. Does she kill herself? Yeah, she shoots herself in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought she got shot from the people that were shooting up. Maybe initially, but she she did the final bullet. She did mm-hmm. the, she did the nail in the coffin, for lack of a better term. Um, and they kiss, like they share a kiss, like awkward, like I'm biting your lips. Well, they were dying, yeah, 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 Doolin. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ, give them a break. <laughs> so they share a kiss which i think maybe you know there's a, there's enough to be discussed there but like obviously the whole movie is watching their the hatred towards one another um and their kind of like infatuation almost with the abuse if we're assuming that the monster is a physical manifestation of their abuse 
they're both like into it <laughs> and they also hate it at the same time right it's kind of just how it spirals but then, then at the end you see them come together and share a kiss perhaps insinuating that you know they did actually love each other they were overcome with desire or something and they couldn't see past their own desires to be free or to have possession to actually give way to their love that they shared to one another and that can be discussed i'm not saying it's the right answer that's just an interpretation um and then ultimately you have the doppelganger kill them finally once and for all i guess and leave which we've already discussed the next scene which i still think that string of scenes is incredibly impactful but we don't have to talk about the latter anymore um but did you all take anything additional away from like that stairwell scene or was it just another scene for you I think it's very interesting that the perfect person that she created was the husband that she was trying to leave. And I saw some yeah. people talking about like um in the doppelgangers they saw like a version of their spouse that they wanted because the main character was a spy, he was absent. Um, and she created a version of him that could be there. And then the version of the teacher was like this housewife who was helping him do stuff around the house and things of that nature. So it's basically like, did everything for him. Yeah. They're always smiling and happy. Yeah. Right. No, I think that's hundred percent right. That's how I interpret it too. Like they projected their own desires from one another onto something else. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I see it at least. So it's like, so if that's what the doppelganger is, then the the monster could also be seen as that. I guess going back to what one of you all said about holy matrimony, but like the idea of like the perfect spouse, the idea of marriage versus their execution of it. But then it also kills people. So, you know, maybe it's not an exactly one to one metaphor. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to tell like what's real in terms of the death. Like, that's where I was, like, kind of, why I kind of, like, was scratching my head, because there was so much of this where I was, like, all right, none of this is real, like, especially, like, the truck swerving, and then, like, uh, how they acted them cutting themselves with the the electric knife. I've and, done that before, but not uh, on purpose. It, it, it'll it slice you up real easy. Do you ever take it to your neck? No. Is that it was my thumb. Do? Okay. Just when I want to feel something. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that at all. <laughs> Uh, so with like all the death that happens, um, I guess it was like, I was like wondering if you guys felt like all those murders and, uh, like the police chasing and all that stuff was like truly part, like true to the story's real life. Well, those people aren't really dead. They were actors portraying (laughs) something to the, I said to the movies, real life. So it was like the visualization, was it more visualization of what was supposed to just be chaos the fact that there isn't and again this is me being a more straightforward person the fact that there isn't anything in the film that indicates that tells me that it's all supposed to be real because i i do think that added like this is a sci-fi film too um like in like all a lot of it isn't but there are a lot of elements of sci-fi in this as well and i think that it takes a side part to it but it's still there. I mean, I think I think it's all real. I, I don't know. That's the way I subscribe to, to the vast majority of it is real. I do think like the deaths are real. Um, I think that you know, like the impressioning of their perfect spouse onto someone else, like 
I don't necessarily believe that Helen looks just like Anna, like in the world, because in his head, yeah, someone else would have like the, the the boy Bob maybe would have noticed it, or someone or them Anna and her Helen herself because she sees her every day of the school year would have noticed it. So like there are things like that where to me like the the movie does tell you like yeah this is take this with a grain of salt you know what I mean like it's not because they're telling you. Like only only Mark is surprised that they look the same and no one else has picked up on that, even though they see each other all the time, anything like that. She's like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So to me, that part is like the movie saying, yeah, he's basically impressing her onto Helen. But like the other stuff, I think for the most part, it can be taken in the story as fact. And that's not to say that's the right answer, because I really do think that everything you're saying, Kyle, is a very, very plausible uh, thing, including Doolin's uh, opinion that possibly they both are in a coma or died or something like that after the car thing. I think all these things are very plausible uh, scenarios, and I don't mean to discount any of them, but I think that the majority of the movie is true to story, I guess is what I'm right. trying to and say. Like, even if the monster didn't exist, the monster never directly interacts with any external characters, because she's the one who kills the people. So the monster could be totally fake and yeah, but they see something. Real. That's true. I mean, they, they could see something that murder victims. In, yeah, perhaps something's knocking at the door. I mean, on, on top of that, like oh, that's true. Something does uh, knock at the door, and he like gives the gun to that one girl and says, "Shoot at the cops." Um, right. Like I, I think that there's too much in this film. Like even the parts where, um. I mean, I guess we could say that she's a c serial killer and she's just doing all of this. But like, like he talks to what's his <clears throat> name's, uh, is it his wife? And she's like, where is he? Like, I want to know where he is. And it's the P.I.'s wife, maybe. I don't know. I Heinrich's wife. I don't know. I can't. Heinrich doesn't have a, Heinrich's mom. And then Margie. Heinrich's mom. That's who I'm thinking of. Or Margie, too. Margie, too. Yeah. Um, the one more thing that centers around it being real. And another thing too, is that Mark like burns down her apartment building to like hide evidence of her of murders, murders perhaps and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought that, and that's, it's again, one of those things that's kind of like quickly shown and then passed by, but. All right. So my question is mainly for Dolan, Josh and Kenny as okay. the three people who didn't really care for it. <laughs> Do you think this movie took itself too seriously? Yes. I think you would hate it worse if it took itself less seriously. <laughs> I feel like. I would hate it more, I think. But I, so this is why more of a question for those three. I, I, think. I think it goes back to what I told you I wish that the film did. Yeah, um, for sure. It, the movie, for me at least, gets lost in the messages and the subjectiveness. It's got and too all much the, going on. There's it, it's it's it just needs to like. At its core, I go to the movies because I want to be entertained, and it's trying to do too much with the message and and all of the subjective and all of that. So I, I just give me a movie that's entertaining and don't take yourself too seriously. I don't I don't know if it takes itself too seriously. I don't know. That's that's an interesting question because I think I think like this is like such a, like a weird movie. It's like it's an obtuse movie that's like going to be hard for most people to like grok with or even like walk away with like an understanding of it because it's so just like dense and just like it gives you nothing so it, it is serious in that regards but it's also just 
wild and wacky in, in every other regard. The to the acting to like the stylized choices. It's just like, I, is this movie serious? I don't know. It's I think it's just like off the rails. I don't know. You know what it really needed? It needed a wrestler walking in as the <laughs> alien comes out and him being like, I'm here to kick and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> That's what Let's I really get a better, wanted. Let's get a better wrestler than Rowdy Roddy. Let's do like, um, can we get, I don't know. Can we get Sting? Like, and he just spends the entire movie. Andre the Giant? The He's building. a pretty good actor. Ooh, Andre the Giant. Yes. <laughs> I'm down for that. He could have been the monster. <laughs> I'd have been okay with that. Imagine a whole movie goes by and Andre the Giant. <laughs> then I might be out on the movie. I might have been way out. No, you would. That would have elevated it. You would have given it five stars. <laughs> so, so I'm not imagining him as the monster. I'm imagining her be like, "Look at the clone that I made." And then that's Andre the Giant <laughs> in the stairwell. <laughs> That's supposed to be me? I made some improvements. <laughs> I think he should have played Bob. <laughs> oh, it would have been wildly different there. Made a bigger tub. I don't know about you all, but I genuinely found uh, the film kind of emotional, too. Uh, but I also say that to people who did not like the Bob section, which I think in particular is quite emotionally striking. Um but did you all find it like moving at all? Like not in a good way, obviously, but like in a sad way. Like and not like sad I'm going to cry, but like sad that that happened and that's so disturbing and that it came to this and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the whole subject matter of it being framed around a divorce is just a whole layer of meh over the entire movie. Not meh and indifference, but meh and sadness. So, to answer the to answer the like the emotion question, like I did not. The, the only thing that that hit me was that that ending bit with Bob. So I I found that generally upsetting. Um, but I mean, otherwise, just like because I you don't like either of these characters. Uh, you you're not rooting for anybody in particular. Um, there's there's no good guys in this movie. So like I it just is hard for me to make that connection of like empathy um, towards anyone except Bob. And they Bob. probably should be divorced, right? They they're clearly not good together. There yeah. was one scene in particular I felt like some pretty heavy like man, I like cuz to be honest with you like the first half of the film and even even now like the title ties into me thinking Neil's character is is really awful um and it for me I it the scene with the abuse where he's just like slapping her and then he won't stop um and she's like bloody and she's walking away from him and he's still chasing her and the mm -hmm. first words out of his mouth are what does this mean for us and i like it like he's still just thinking about himself yeah like so there tense. was just like so much anger that welled up in me um but then that was subverted by him playing soccer with kids like a second later and then having sex with that one chick and i was I was like, what is what is happening? But like that scene in particular was really, really like evoking of at least anger and frustration for me. Yeah, that's the thing. Like there's 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 potential for these like these moments to hit, but it's, it's just offset by just so much like weirdness and stuff that like you're just I felt constantly thrown off balance. That like 
I could I could never make, but those those emotional moments just never landed for me because it was I felt so off balance the entire movie. The stuff that happens after just happens so fast. It's just like three different things. I remember I I know that that's the moment that Doolin texted and was like, "Is, is this movie told out of order?" <laughs> and then you guys were like, "No," and he was like, "Oh no." <laughs> actually that that scene for me josh happened really early because um it 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 happened when uh they're like splitting up and they're acting really cordial about it like even in bed and talking about it and then the next scene is him like for like like at work and being like who is it how, how is she cheating on me like all of this stuff like on the phone with someone and i'm like dude she just said that and then i realized <laughs> no it's just him like obsessing over her gotcha. and wrestling that, with that it. idea of possession and stuff so that's when i asked and then i was like okay i'm kind of glad because i don't i don't know if i can do another uh, memento for a while memento is good but it was just really hard to follow sometimes we haven't brought it up it has to be brought up. People, uh, you know, joked about um, the, the anime that we normally put on our list. But Max put on our list a live action movie with a tentacle porn scene in it. <laughs> hey, man, I like what I like. <laughs> Tread carefully, Max, with the jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, they can define you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the scene starts and the guy's like walking in the room and you hear the noise of it happening and Aaron is like Aaron was next to me she's like is she having sex with the monster and I was like surely not and, then... <laughs> <laughs> and the movie was like yes I am and don't call and me don't surely don't call me surely <laughs> <laughs> it's great isn't it no it certainly is a thing that exists in this movie I do like that there was one moment after that where he was like, okay, maybe this isn't okay. <laughs> like, like it's like clearly set with the Neil's, Neil's character for a little while when he saw that, but then they're on, on board with it again. You know, one thing that, I mean, it's too late now. I think it's going to be kind of funny. Listening back to this, I think it's going to be hilarious because we referenced everybody by like every possible name they could have possibly been referenced by. <laughs> Sam Neil was Sam, Neil, Mark. Like he was all three. <laughs> Anna was Anna, Anna, Isabel, Ajani. She was like all four what, names. Like what helps is there's like maybe three characters. Five characters that yeah. they each play. Yeah. True. Yeah, it was pretty uh I'm very bad at knowing the characters' names in movies anyway, so I always almost go by actors. Yeah. I've just been calling them the guy and the girl. I don't know any of their I names. Mean, <laughs> and the monster. <laughs> that's kind of all you need. Yeah, that's mostly all you need. The boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bob, yeah, Bob was clear. Bob, I don't know Bob. the Bob, Bob's actor Well, yeah, name. you all were making fun of how Bob's name was, but he's the one that we remembered because his name was Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was intentional. Give him a shitty name so everybody remembers it, so he's the focal point of the whole movie, and it all comes together and wraps up beautifully with a bow. Thanks for listening to the Board Game Box Office. I hope we gave you enough uh, differing opinions on this one. Uh, thanks for dealing with our chaotic episode with all five of us here 
and talking about a particularly confounding and chaotic movie, I'm sure is not going to be the easiest thing for your ears, but thank you for giving it your time, and I hope you enjoyed. We'll see you next episode on Burgundy Week, when we're going to be talking about Castles of Burgundy and Ron Burgundy himself from Anchorman. We'll see you then. What a breath of fresh air. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get out of here.